been waiting for this day for a long time. Oh, boy! Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to episode 56 of the Disney Underground, your experimental podcast of tomorrow. I'm your host, Gene. We want to thank you in advance for taking this magical journey with us. If you're joining us on one of the gazillion streaming services that we're on, we're welcome in. If you're joining us on Magic of the Mouse Radio, welcome in. And if you're joining us for the first time, hit subscribe and leave a review, please. And we uh, we have a big show today. We'll be discussing some of our favorite additions for the 50th and what we'd like to see Disney keep for the long term, you know, going forward. Also, we have a really uh, awesome guest stopping by. From the uh, the Haunted Mansion, the Muppets Haunted Mansion, director and writer Kirk Thatcher will be stopping by to discuss the new instant classic Halloween special. And uh, plus, we have all the latest Disney news and info. But first, let's do the Disney Underground Roll Call. The Disney Underground Roll Call. Up first, the Westerners of the Midwesterners, Dan and Steph. What's up, guys? Hi. Hi. How you guys yeah. doing? Good. good. So good to see everybody. And then down in sunny Miami, Joey and Sam, what up? Hi. What up? You got both of us. Got you both today. I'm a little homesick. I'm jealous of that down in Florida. I'm up in New York right now. I'm a little jealous. I'm already homesick. Funny. Yeah, right. You never used to think you were going to say that. Yeah, now I'm homesick. <laughs> I miss I miss uh, Florida right now, you know? I thought I was going to get up here and it was still going to be like warm. Like I forgot how much colder it is at this time of year compared to, to Florida. Like it's not that it's cold, but just compared to Florida, it's like you don't walk out into that oven type weather. Yeah. You know, it's Wait, the fall what's now, the, so. What's the temp right now there? That's a good question. Let's see what it is. If I could find the app on my phone right now, I was about to say it's 79 degrees. Wait, that's Orlando. I'm still set for Orlando. <laughs> 65 <laughs> degrees. So oh, 52. Wow. <laughs> 91 wait, 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 wait. You guys are 52 what? in Minnesota. Yeah. We got cold like instantly in yeah. like two days Holy ago. Holy cow, man. We're at 91 here in Miami. You are kidding. Yeah, it's so hot. We're like sweating. Yeah. Oh, luckies. Shoot. No, no, lucky. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, but the humidity has started to uh, break a little bit. Yeah. yeah, that's good. At least. And you should you should start you oh, should have started cold. noticing in Orlando because it's it's not as bad as it was. This is the time of year where it starts to ease up a bit. I noticed the last few days that I before I had left to come back to New York, the evenings weren't so bad. Right. The day was still hot, but the evenings weren't as bad. So yeah, so I, I was a little bit happier with that. And I'm sure once I get back on at the end of October, it'll be even better. So yeah, up here for another couple of weeks. But um, yeah, so let's do our read for Magical Travel by Brian. The Disney Underground is proudly brought to you by the Magical Travels by Brian. Contact Brian to help you book your next uh, your next vacation. Magical Travel by Brian can help you book not only your next Disney vacation, but much, much more. They can help you book your Universal Studios vacations, all-inclusive Caribbean resorts, cruises, corporate travel. They can even help you book a destination wedding, even Disney destination weddings. They're going to get you the best possible price on your trip, and that is a promise. And you know what the best part is? Dan, what's the best part? The best part is it's free, you turkey. <laughs> free. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. <laughs> Stephen Brule. That's true. They are completely free. It's a no-brainer. It doesn't cost you a cent to have him help you book your trip. So for info, reach out to Magical Travel by Brian. You can check them out on their website, www.magicaltravelbybrian.com. Email brian at magicaltravels.com. And you can reach them by phone, 1-800-883-1535, extension. Extension double nickel. 
five five. That's right, and it's Brian spelled B R I A N. So make sure you go check them out. He will book you a fantastic trip, and you won't pay him a cent. You'll pay Disney, but you won't pay Brian. So go check them out. Have you guys seen uh, Haunted Mansion yet? I'm sure you guys did. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we all did. I've seen it four times already. I love it. Me Uh, too. Blow my mind about that. So good. There are people complaining about it. I can't believe what? it. No you know what? I'll admit it, man. Disney fans, we are so fickle and we are sweet. Wow. Disney fans have first world problems. Do we not? Like we always find something to complain about. So, um, but I thought it, was, it paid great homage to both. You have the purest of the Haunted Mansion and you have the purest of the Muppets. And I thought it paid great homage to both. It was a perfect blend. It wasn't too much of one. It didn't change the story of anything. I'll tell you what I really loved on it, though. And you guys will hear it later on with, with, with the discussion with, with Kirk Thatcher. I love that it wasn't like, it, it, it didn't have to be, it just proved that the Muppets don't have to be the Kermit and Piggy vehicle. It could be other guys right. getting main the yeah. main roles. I mean, Gonzo yeah. will be seen do the main role and stuff, but how awesome was it having Pepe King, the King Prawn? No, Pepe as, was my favorite. He was awesome. I, I said the same thing. He was my favorite part of the whole, the whole movie. It's the accent. He sounds a little like Nacho Libre. He was super funny. I love how he's not impressed by the Muppets. He wants to go hang out with the stars, not the Muppets, yeah. as he says. I, I thought it was fantastic. And I think it is a perfect blend of both the history of the Haunted Mansion and the history of the Muppets. So I thought yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah they, yeah, they put so many little Easter eggs in that thing. And so yeah. many references. I so loved many it. references uh, to both the ride and the, it was just outstanding. Yeah. Well, I, I, I knew it was going to be good from the minute we get Will Arnett opening the door and he uses all the lines that the ghost host uses, yeah. but yeah. in a clever way. Or he speaks Spanish to, to, to Pepe and Penny, Pepe asks him if he speaks Spanish. He just goes, no, but then continues to speak Spanish to yeah. him. The rest of the, right. the rest of the time. I, thought it was, I thought it was really fantastic. And uh, I thought Will Ornette was, was great. And I thought it was cast beautifully. And uh, yeah, I remember we were concerned Canada's with all great. the names. Remember we were concerned with all the names yeah. we were talking about. It, yeah. it wasn't. A lot of them were just singing ghosts, singing the singing yeah. bus. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it was um, great. Yeah. So I thought they did a great job. Um, I think who out of all the cameos, I think maybe if Yvette Nicole Brown probably had the most lines. Well, maybe Danny Darren Chris um well, as the as the as the gate, you know, he had the, the musical number as well. So but like I, you I said about not concentrating on like Kermit and Miss Piggy, that's kind of what I was getting at about not having a ton of stars because they're just gold on their own and there's so mm-hmm. many characters and mm-hmm. B characters that you don't see a lot that they can handle it on their own. But I did oh, think absolutely I did think they did a good job as far as the cameos and who they featured yeah. and who they did it. Yeah, I thought it was so really well done. But like Gene said, Disney fans, man, fickle as hell. Because I'm sorry. Gosh, I what was like, man, this a lot of people didn't like Will Arnett. I thought he was fantastic in it. I was like, what? He's great. Yeah. He I thought he was good in it. I, I thought I, I was a little I'll be he honest. I went into not more I was worried if what you call it, um Taraji B. Henson was gonna be good because I just didn't see it. But I thought she was fantastic in it. I was actually really pleasantly surprised with her. Which so. one's her again? The bride? He played Constance Hatchaway. Yeah. Listen, uh, even no. the scenes, the way they did it, uh, where you have like, the, everything was recognized from the ride. The yeah. way they did the hallway with the photos where it was the, uh, you know, the pictures that where the uh, the lightning's going on, the floating uh, candle, like down mm-hmm. in the library. Like mm-hmm. there was so many references. The night. That, Oh yeah, even the Muppet the version wallpaper. It was great. It's not the, the stretching room, no, like, floating candle, mm-hmm. and I love how it followed the movie. Followed the ride. He ended up. Yeah, yeah that's what I said. It was balcony. great. You like that part? Yeah, I Pepe, like. Listen, followed. Listen, Pepe, when he was going from one door and he kept coming out the other, and he's like, "Yeah," <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I don't know." <laughs> I like the part in the beginning where he's in the limo when he's talking about how he's, he's texting his girls and they're like, it's like locked. And like, who's this? 
So, um, yeah, no, I thought it was fantastic, man. Again, I, I, I hope really this gets but. Disney to do more with them. I really do. Yeah. All right. So let's go kick it over to the news. Sammy, what have we got in the news this week? Walt Disney World is now offering a pre-arrival video chat to guests choosing to use the Disability Access Service at the parks. Disability Access Service is a program to assist guests who have difficulties tolerating extended waits in a conventional queue environment due to a disability. Guests will now be able to have a live video chat between two to 30 days in advance of their park visit with cast members so guests can pre-register and select two attractions return times in advance for more information guests can go to walt disney world website what do you guys think um i think it's pretty good i, I love the fact that we can pick two attractions before we even get there yeah, yes. right because you used to not be able to do that before right you have since, to do no. right. since we use it it's a big deal I mean, this is something yeah. we've been talking about. I mean, being like she like she just said, number one, it's there's a lot more legitimacy to it because now they got, you know, they're going to be actually talking to uh, the people that, that get this and even the person that's actually going to get the, the disability pass. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you're going, like she said, you're going to be able to um, pick two ahead of time. And then even the best part really is at the parks, because although it's going to operate still the same where you can just go to a ride and scan, uh, the best part is going to be that you can actually scan ahead of time through the Disney app. So, you know, before we could be at Mine Train and all of a sudden, you know, we're going to we want to go ride um, Thunder Mountain. You already know the distance I got to I'd be like, I'll be back in 20 minutes (laughs) and then run all the way over there just for them to scan to then go all the way back and then have it to wait a half an hour. So, you know, just even be able to get back over there. So this is like a huge deal that I, I, I thought it would be, but I figured you guys would be the ones to definitely yeah. ask because yeah. you guys, you guys utilize it. And it's a shame when you see some people take advantage of it, but. Oh um, yeah. Well, that's why this, I think that's why this, this was done. This helps. You know, yeah. That's how policies are made. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. What else we got? Disney has begun revealing new weekly items inspired by Star Wars. You can find merchandise, including popular series like the Mandalorian and the upcoming, the book of Boba Fett items are released every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, and there will also be select pre-orders starting Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. You can find this cool 12-week reveal at www.starwars.com forward slash bring home the bounty. You forgot the HTTP forward slash forward slash. Definitely. I, I, I was oh, about, sorry, Steph. Stephanie's never going to look that one down. Every website that is going to be the line now. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, Steph. So, do you want me to start over? HTTP. No, no. <laughs> we, we got it. We got I would it. do it for you, Steph. <laughs> Thanks. I, I mean, did notice that when it's typed, if you don't put <laughs> dashes between "bring home the bounty," at least when I looked, it pulled uh, up an error. Oh, so you, you have know, to. I'm so dashes. sorry. I didn't even see oh. that. Okay. Normally, you wouldn't think it mattered. Well, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> yeah, this is not an HTTP. Okay. Okay, I'm very sorry. You're you're right, Dan. I did not see that. I don't have my glasses on, but I will Please repeat that. Give us the website one more time. So it's www.starwars.com forward slash bring dash home dash the dash bounty. There you go. And as Dan said, they might if you don't do it that way, right now, you get... but you know, I don't know. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. Well, listen. If you said you get errors when you don't do it, that's important. Yeah. 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 It's cool because they have all the blocks and they're faded out. 
you know, the ones that to come. So it's kind of Aww, a cool reveal. That's, cool. that's pretty cool. That is cool. Okay. The Disney Junior Dance Party has returned to Disney California Adventure. Guests with young children can join Disney characters like Mickey Mouse, Doc McStuffin, Vampirina, while they sing and dance to their favorite Disney Junior song. This was so much fun. We did it in Disney World. It was. Come it was. on. You didn't like the bubbles? And then when the, the, the fake money came, little yeah. paper no, it was, stuff? It was, it was good. <laughs> I was totally dancing. Okay, guys. Wow. I, I no, I, I think it's great for the little kids, and especially now that like with it coming and back. For adults. And, yeah, well, adults. Like as a, I was gonna say adults through their children's eyes, but maybe that's different for Sam. Yeah. But. <laughs> my favorite part was the bubbles. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, oh my god, I don't need any more bubbles in Disney. I gotta say. Yeah, I, at least I'll, in a show what? is fine, but the walking by business. Oh, there's a lot oh, yeah. of bubbles. They buy these these kids the machines that this it just yeah. pulls out these bubbles like like a machine gun with bubbles. So yeah, I, I, that's, <laughs> that is a bit much. But um, all right, what else we got? All right, first of all, I got Disney Disney Cruise Lines has announced that the Disney Wonder will be resuming voyages out of New Orleans, Louisiana, starting on February 2nd, 2022, with itineraries visiting the Western Caribbean. Uh, they've also announced that the six-night Disney Wonder sailing that is scheduled to depart on February 18th will have a change in its itinerary. So this cruise will be visiting Cozumel and Costa Maya, Mexico, instead of Key West and Castaway Cay. Disney will be giving each stateroom a credit of $400 that can be used towards onboard purchases and guests who are scheduled on February 18th sailing of the Disney Wonder may choose to modify or cancel their reservations without any cancellation fees if it's done by October 27th. This is good. I mean, first of all, I would love to go on the Wonder. That thing yeah, looks obviously amazing. You know, it's probably interesting because I haven't even checked, but I'm pretty sure that a, a six a six night stay on the Wonder is probably cheaper than the uh, Galactic Star Cruiser for two days. <laughs> Same. So, all right, let's see. Next up, while his family was visiting Walt Disney World Resort last week, guests were treated to a surprise performance by Pixar's Coco voice actor, Anthony Gonzalez, and Mariachi Cobre at Epcot. So they performed beloved songs from the film, such as Un Poco Loco, Remember Me, and The World Es Mi, Fa- Mi Familia. This would have been pretty cool, cool to see. So cool. He looked really happy about it, too. Like, yeah, was, listen, it. was this completely impromptu? Like, he just happened to be there and was like, hey, let me hop on stage. I'm- yeah, his family and him, I think, were just visiting. That's crazy. Oh, that listen, is- that's something is so awesome. Something like that, yeah. especially from... You know, the, the the movie's so great. Those songs are really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he was probably happy about it. I hope I they mean, cut him a check, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You can ask, um, you know, Scarlett Johansson how that goes. Yeah, See how they yeah. do it. That's right? good. That's a good point. <laughs> what else? He's like oh. this. There's 60 bucks. Move along. Move along. <laughs> Going here's, a, here. here's an extra fast pass. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, as we mentioned on last week's show, Walt Disney World will be resuming some of the character meet and greets in November. But now there's a rumor going around at Magic Kingdom that the Enchanted Tales with Belle may be reopening soon. So Enchanted Tales with, Enchanted Tales with Belle uh, has been closed since Disney World shut down because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, but there's some new evidence that it will not be stayed closed for much longer. So we're coming to this conclusion because the sign of Enchanted Tale of Enchanted Tales with Belle was recently put back up. And Disney also recently filed for a permit for general construction at the attraction which could mean they're getting ready to open it. So while Disney World has not made an official announcement about it, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. I know this is a big deal, especially this yeah. thing is like very popular. So yeah, I've never, I know I have, a lot of people talking about yeah, this. Yeah, a lot of people love it. I've never really been, I mean, maybe because we did, you know, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my kids are a little bit older when when, when it really was a thing, but I never really got into it. Yeah, know? we did the we did it once, I think. The Enchanted Tales, but yeah, it was really neat. It's I think if they were younger, I think if my kids were younger, I would have liked it more. Um, right. I think just because they were older. like it was That hasn't like, stopped you before, Gene. Well, right. You watch all those shows. That's a great. Yeah. 
That's right. touche. That's a great point, actually. There you go. <laughs> All right. What else? All right. And last I have, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, James Gunn, has confirmed that Will Poulter has been cast as Adam Warlock in the upcoming film. I saw this, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's, pretty in- it's an interesting casting. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is set to start filming in the beginning of 2022, and it can't come fast enough. I can't wait. Been for talking it. About, <laughs> they've been talking about this for so long. I'm like, bro, get it done. This guy here, obviously, I don't know this character too well. So I got to see how he portrays him because there's been many times where I'm like, I can't see it because mm-hmm. yeah. he always does comedy. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But it, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, he was great in We're the Millers, but I mean, that's not Adam Warlock either. So <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. So and Adam Warlock is, is a bad dude. And that, that is not, not a bad guy. But that's what I'm saying. A, but yeah, he's a, he's a good he's a tough he's a tough um, Marvel character. Uh, Joel's asking in the in the chat there. He's saying his question is, will Adam Warlock have the soul stone? I don't that's know. Good, that's a good question. Because he was don't if I remember know. correctly, isn't Adam Warlock's he was created by like scientists from Earth, if I remember correctly. Right. It's to be like the the perfect human being. Right. And, then, and then yeah, that, that, I feel like he doesn't really know. I feel like he's teasing me right now. I've been just stressing out all week about the soul stone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll find oh, out I mean, soon enough, hopefully by next year. We'll see. But um, yeah, I believe if I remember correctly, the backstory is he was made on Earth by scientists and then at one point leaves Earth to go to like outer space. And that's how he gets mixed up with the Gardens of the Galaxy. So yeah, I'm excited. Every, and you know what? Every time they add a new character, so you know they always do a good job and they bring a new character that you don't really know to the forefront. Absolutely. So that's me. Cool, man. All right, so let's kick it over to Steph. What do you got, Steph? I've got a new movie that will be coming out to Disney Plus that focuses on Walt Disney's journey to create Disneyland. The film will be directed by David Gordon Green and will be written by Evan Spilotopoulos. No release date has been announced, but we will keep an eye out for any new information. I got it. Yeah. Is this, now is this is this a docu like a, a documentary or is this like a like a actual like scripted film? Scripted as Sounds far as like I know. It's scripted. Oh, it's, that's a- all right. Moving on to mm. if you enjoyed the Muppets Haunted Mansion special on Disney Plus, as we did, then you may want to head over to Disneyland to check out a new exhibit that is on display. Guests can see screen used props and set pieces from the film at great moments with Mr. Lincoln on Main Street USA. I think they have uh, the stretching room paintings of the Muppets there. Really? Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. All right. Very exciting news. Recently, hours for the Frontierland shooting arcade were no longer listed after November 27th. The Walt Disney World operations calendar only went through December 11th, and the hours remained unlisted. So many thought that Disney might permanently be closing the attraction. However, Disney officials confirmed that it was just a glitch, and they confirmed that the arcade would remain open. Guests will now be able to see that the Frontierland Shooting Arcade will be open daily from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. depending on the day. Hallelujah. Hey, yeah. hey, you guys were, you guys want to know where you're never going to find me from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m.? Shooting <laughs> Gallery. You hate it that much? I don't hate it. I just feel like Listen, it's, it's like I've never... I, for how long, though? I mean, that's well, I don't it's not going to be that way forever, I don't think. But um, yeah, I don't. I, I remember when we were talking about this in the group text earlier this week, and I was kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot about that thing. Like, I just, it was one of the things that I've never really cared about. Dan, it's listen, not about the shooting the guns. Bears. It's not that. Yeah. You're not Gene gonna kept you saying, gotta... you know, he's been by it every day and there's been nobody there. And I go, well, I... that's because we're not there in the park. <laughs> I get this one. Gene, have you ever done the shooting uh, When I was a kid, I'm sure I did. I played Duck Hunt on Nintendo when I was like eight. So I've been there and done that. You know what I mean? I like the sound uh, where it's like, uh, bing, bing. I love that. Let's run it up the pole. Let's see if people think it should go or stay. Well, don't you start yeah. with it. 
Yeehaw, Bob Jackson has returned to Disney's Tortorlees <laughs> Resort Riverside <laughs> as the hotel reopens, but he will be doing a modified show due to COVID-19 restrictions, including no sing-alongs or people getting up, so a new show had to quickly be written, Bob said. I understand that. At least he's got Isn't a Isn't that what everybody loves about it, though? Like, yeah. It's going to so, be tough for well, him, I think. I agree. Like, when he said, well, we're not doing this, well, then what are what are we yeah. gonna do? No, no, so, no, sing along. Stop singing. <laughs> yeah, like why can't you sing along? I don't get it. I, I think the whole <laughs> yeah, but you have a mask on. I don't know. But you know what? I'm glad that he's back and, the, and it shows you that once everything is back to him, well, he's already he's already entrenched back in there. All right. The new Disney Wish exhibit dedicated to the new Disney Cruise Line ship, Disney Wish, is now open in Walt Disney Presents at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Some of the unique items on display include a life-size maquette of the Cinderella statue that will grace the Grand Hall, an intricately detailed five-and-a-half-foot scale model of the ship. That's super cool. Well, sort of a miniature. It's like a big miniature. It's like a larger. <laughs> um, wow. replicas, replicas of the Yeehaw of Bob the, Jackson. You can use that joke if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> replicas of the Disney animation marquettes that will adorn the dining rooms at 1923, an elegant family restaurant inspired by the golden age of Hollywood. A scale comes a scale concept model used to design the larger than life stern statue of Rapunzel. It's cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Especially for people that don't get on the cruises like us. Yeah. It's a cool way to check it out. And but Dan's changing that really soon. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's gonna be a while until I get on a cruise, but pizza I'm just messing with it. Oh, the pizza is a, a pull. Yeah. <laughs> Two AM pizza it, joy the unlimited loves. pizza. That's yeah, because uh, clearly that's the only draw to go on a cruise. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and that I'll go on it and they'll have gotten rid of that. Yes. They'll be like, oh, no, no, we used to do that. Uh, you should have been here back then. <laughs> no, don't worry, man. That's like a staple on. Uh, then I going to let you uh, yeah. go pick up any pizza. No, you can't come in person and get it. <laughs> Speaking of which, once we get rid of that shooting gallery, we'll be all right. Oh, God. You realize oh. that's my new that's country bears. That's his new oh, country bears. Oh, he's thing. buggy. Look at him smiling. Oh, he's buggy. <laughs> oh, he's so <laughs> proud. Oh, I'm, I'm so proud. proud. Wait, you like, know what? I'll tell you what. Something. You want to know something I am proud about, though? Oh, here we this go. Thing. Get ready. This joke. Kids strap in it's for the dance joke. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? So fish sticated. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I love it. That was so a good one. That was so fishticated. That was a good one, Dan. Dan, I knew you, you got to crack a smile on that one. Yeah. My nose is running a little bit. Maybe that's why. But my nose is. But that's an odd one. <laughs> my nose. nose I better go catch it. delivered much better. <laughs> it would have been better, but my nose got in the way. So. Not bad. Listen, not bad. It was pretty clever. I liked it. I liked it. All right. So, Steph, I think that's Ooh. that's all your news right now. We're over to Dan. Yeah. It has been announced man? that Alan Horn, who is the chief creative officer of Disney Studios content, will be retiring on December 31st. Horn oversaw the successful integrations of Lucasfilm and 21st Century Fox, as well as the expansion into content creation for Disney+. Alan has worked for the Disney company for close to a decade, and so far, no replacement has been announced. And this is Bob Iger's most successful hire, he says. Mm. Put your resume in, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, I... um. It's 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 hard it's hard to see a lot of these the old guard kind of go 
Yeah. Because well, it makes you learn about this one because it concerns so much new stuff with the Disney Plus side of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Um, it makes you leery about where where they're going to be headed with new hires, you know, and who's going to get yeah. these other roles. So, yep. Right. What else we got? Some good news in Christmas. I see. <laughs> Minnie's wonderful Christmas time fireworks and Mickey's once upon a Christmas time parade will be returning for the event Disney's Very Merriest After Hours. This will mark the first parade to return to Walt Disney World since March 2020. And I believe they also just announced a stage show as well. Awesome. That Mm -hmm. will have nods back to the Christmas Carol and Mm -hmm. things like that. This is great. Yeah, I mean, it's just great to see parades back. I mean, listen, I you know me, I'm a sucker for a good cavalcade. But like after a little while, it's like you can only see that thing go by so many times. It's like one float and that's it. So it's yeah. nice to see them start getting a little bit more of the choreography there. And I'm, I'm excited for it. Me too. Well, Walt Disney Imagineer and former Jungle Cruise skipper Kevin Lively, which we've talked about many times on the show, will be leaving the company after 14 years due to previously reported Imagineering being almost entirely relocated from California to Lake Nonacal, Florida. Kevin had this to say on Instagram. After 14 years at Disney, I'm going to be hanging up my mouse ears. I never thought I'd be stepping away, but sometimes life throws you a curveball. In June, we learned that Imagineering would be relocating to Florida. My wife and I looked long and hard at the possibility, but we just couldn't make it work with family and finances here in California. Disney announced new mystery pin trading boxes and boards at mystery trading boxes which feature a new pin trading logo guests will hand over the pin they want to trade and and select a numbered drawer the cast member will then open the drawer and present the guests with their new disney pin new mickey shaped boards are also being introduced throughout walt disney world working the same way as previous pin boards. Guests are allowed two exchanges per pin trading location. Pin trading locations are located on the Disney Walt Disney World Resort guide maps and can be found at all four theme parks, Disney Springs, hotels, and other select locations. So kind of a cool little fun Very addition cool. to the, you know pin trading. A little Thank game you. of chance. Everyone's question is, are they going to be authentic Disney pins and not the little cheap knockoffs right. that people always try to pass yep. off? Oh, yeah. I think I don't think I think they I think they try to make sure that that doesn't happen nowadays. So I hope not, because that really ruins it. Yeah, it, 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 it really did. I mean, when I started doing it, it was like the next year that really pushed in. And I'm like, wow, this this isn't as fun anymore. <laughs> you know, like this yeah. is, I'm taking my pin and I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Gene, what do you got? All right, well, in some sad news, Disney legend Ruth Thompson has passed away at the incredible age of 111. She was an incredible artist who worked on lots of Disney classics, such as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Dumbo, Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, and much, much more. She was officially named to uh, as a Disney legend in 2000, and our condolences go out to her family and friends. After a four-month refurbishment, the lobby of Disney's Old Key West Resort has now reopened. Although, let me tell you something. If you're trying to find this lobby, it's going to take about four and a half hours just to wander <laughs> through Old Key West. I love the rooms at Old Key West, but let me tell you something. Me and Jay Berg has got lost there for like two and a half hours trying to trying to get out. It was the Twilight Zone, as we like to call it. Um, <laughs> the, the new lobby is beautiful, if you can find it, and even has small a small library filled with books <laughs> That guests could read while lounging on the comfortable couches. You could also use those books to read while you're like going on this trek trying to find from A to B. Um, you know, you'll probably finish a novel by the time you get to where you're going. Jeez. And then we have <laughs> I'm a little bitter. And then we have the long-awaited Disney's Port 
Orleans Riverside Resort has announced it's officially going to be reopened at the World Disney World. Um, oh, it has been officially yes. reopened, not announced. It has officially been reopened at the World Disney World. So that's cool. I love uh, I love Port Orleans. All right. And then last but not least for me, Disney has announced that the nighttime projection show Disney Movie Magic will be returning to Hollywood Studios on November 7th. The Disney Movie Magic show casts projections from live action Disney movies on the Chinese theater. There is currently another nighttime projection show called Wonderful World of Animation that is also projected on the Chinese theater, but Disney has not announced how the two shows will be scheduled or if one or the other will be canceled uh, or if a world of Wonderful World of Animation will be canceled. Uh, but we'll keep an eye out for more information and we'll let you guys know. And that's that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the one good thing that came out of the news this week, killer dad joke, right? Oh, absolutely. It, it was amazing. Not only was the punchline. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my friends. I know you can't. If you need me to tell it, I'll tell it. But not I'm only posting was, it right now. Not only was the punchline <laughs> sophisticated, the joke itself was a very sophisticated joke. Yes, totally agree. Thanks. I'm yeah. going to. I hope my father-in-law is going to love this joke. I know oh, he's yeah. going to. And, uh, you know, with that, guys, let's um, let's welcome our guest, Kirk Thatcher. Okay, so let's welcome our first guest today. He's the director and one of the writers of the biggest Halloween hit this season, Muppets Wanted Mansion. Please welcome to, to the show, Kirk Thatcher. How you doing? Good. We look like a, a, a two stages of a beard. Oh, we're we're like kind of like, we're, we're twinning right now. Yeah, we got the- I, I know, I just realized that. I got to tell you too, I, you know, I was looking at some of your old photos and stuff, and I don't know if it was on purpose or not, or if it was, if it just turns out. You have a, a very- a couple of your photos, you really look like the dude from Big Lebowski. I don't know if that was well, on purpose or not. What's funny, I looked like the dude before there was the dude. I, I had the, I was rocking that look in the 80s into early 90s. In fact, there's pictures of me when I was 19 that David Fincher took. We were just hanging out and there was like, you know, afternoon light. It's like, oh, take a couple pictures. I'll, I'll throw them up one day. Um, oh, I dropped a name, by the way, David Fincher. There you go. Um, but it really was him taking the pictures. And I've got, you know, hair down to here, the beard. And yeah, I've just, I've always been the dude. Dude, man. I mean, I don't know why. It's, I think what's weird is Jeff uh, Lebowski, uh, Jeff Bridges. He went from like this man to like this man. He's now he's got like a kind of I, I, like I don't know what it's like, happened. It's like that gruff voice, right? Really, like everybody's got. So I kind of do. I do the dude voice, man. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Thank you. I, there's worse people to look like, you know. No, listen, and that's a classic character, right? Who who doesn't love that? And if you've not seen Big Lebowski, then I don't know what you're doing. But <laughs> if you've seen that movie, everybody loves the dude. And what's funny is he's a, I'm about 75% that character. I wear, I'm, I'm literally, I mean, if we were on Zoom, I'd be wearing a V-neck. I've got my V-neck t-shirt on. Actually, I've worn this to be the dude for Halloween. Oh, there you uh, go. And like pajama bottoms or sweatpants. I don't like white Russians and I don't smoke dope, but that kind of like, hey man, just be mellow is very much. In fact, I, I, <laughs> I became a licensed dudist priest. <laughs> I, can, I can perform marriages and weddings and, few, well, marriages awesome. and weddings. And funerals. I don't know if I could do bar mitzvahs, though. Ah, well, I'll tell you what you got to do. You got to you got to seek some representation and maybe get some royalties on the Big Lebowski, because I feel like you you definitely you definitely earned it. So So, uh, we're going to talk about the Halloween special, which is phenomenal. But, you know, let's before we get into that. And and let me say this. It's outstanding, as is your resume. Just looking at some of the classic work you've been a part of. I mean, one of your first jobs was was Return of the Jedi. I mean, 18 years old, you know, used to L.A. and you're working for George Lucas. What was that like? Especially at such a young age. Yeah. Let's, 
we'll talk about the experience in a minute, but what was it like to get that call? Like you just got hired by George Lucas. <laughs> well, I, you know, pursued it. Um, I had met Joe Johnson, who was the production designer on, on the Star Wars or on, on, there was only one Star Wars movie back then. And uh, when I was about 15 and uh, would become friends. And so I would kind of pester him once a year and show him a drawing or because he ILM was in my neighborhood for Star Wars. I didn't know about till it came out. So he gave me a tour and I kind of showed him my drawings. I already knew I wanted to either be a Disney Imagineer or work in special effects movies. And so uh, he just gave me some, you know, basically said, keep drawing, you know, study your drawing and study filmmaking. So I did. I made movies and drew storyboards and all that. And so by the time they had uh, made Empire, it was my senior year in high school. So I graduated, I went up and visited. And so I guess it was summer of 1980. And he showed me around and my, my brother and a couple of friends, we all went up and we got this great tour of uh, Lucas or ILM, which was one building back then. And I gave him this creature that I'd made, this uh, puppet, this monster puppet, kind of like a, if you saw a cross between Jabba and the uh, Goblin King from The Hobbit. Just a big, fat, sloppy-looking thing with tusks, and we had glass eyes in it. So I gave it to them as sort of like, I made the, you know, I was a dopey kid. I'm like, I look what I made. And he's like, thanks. <laughs> but it turned out it became the mascot of the creature shop, which was only like four guys. They were doing, they were finishing up uh, Drag uh, Dragonheart and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So that winter... I called, I'd gone to UCLA for one quarter semester, whatever they called it. And I wanted to be a film major. And they're like, well, you can't even touch a camera. It's all theory and math and English until you're a junior. I'm like, I've been making movies since I was 10. Um, so I called them up and said, hey, is there any chance I could work? I knew they were gearing up to do the new Star Wars movie up in Marin County. And I was legally adult, so you couldn't stop me. Um, <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, is there any chance I could, I'll sweep floors, make coffee, you know, run the Xerox machine. I, I don't care. I just think it'd be a better experience than, you know, listening to some professor lecture about, you know, Citizen Kane. So what was funny was, and this is like, you know, thank you, angels who are guarding me or helping me. Uh, he said, who did you talk to? I said, what do you mean? This was like on a Tuesday in probably late January, early February. I said, I don't, what do you mean? He goes, who told you? I said, who told me what? He said, I just put your name on a list for people they should consider hiring or interview for the creature shop. George wants a creature shop to do aliens and stuff here, as opposed to it all being England, because then again, this is for computers and faxes and, and email. So he wanted to keep a much more a closer hand on it. So I was like, seriously? He's like, yeah. Um, so when can you come up and interview? So I put together a resume, drove up like the next week and it was right around my birthday, got the interview. What was funny was Chris Wallace, who went on to do Gremlins, win an Oscar for The Fly. I, I had lunch with him and Ken Ralston, who's, I mean, just an amazing filmmaker all around an artist, but I mean, both of them are. And uh, they tried to talk me out of it. So I met with them. I showed them my stuff. They go, yeah, okay. You know how to do the things you need to do here, but you're an idiot. I remember Chris Wales <laughs> and they're both like, you're an idiot. I'm like, what? They're like your parents would pay for UCLA. I'm like, well, I, I was paying for it. Cause I didn't want to live at home. They're like, it doesn't matter. Like you can get a college education, do that. Don't work in the, this is terrible business. It's horrible. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys. And they were, they were not joking. And I think they tried their best to talk me out of it. And I wouldn't hear of it. And about a week later, I got the call from Tom Smith, who is now running, or might have been Jim Bloom even. Uh, no, it's Tom Smith, because I met with Tom. Anyway, uh, I had the interview, and they said, we'd like you to start working on the Creature Shop. I was the first one hired for Jedi. Bill Tippett was already there. John Berg was there. Dave Carson, were, they were all finishing up on uh, 
Raiders and uh, Dragon Slayer. So I was the first hire for the creature shop and I was $400 a week. <laughs> it was 80 bucks a day for a 12 hour day and uh, just enough money to get me an apartment near, you know, like a couple miles away. So I moved up, you know, through a bunch of stuff. My parents very generously bought me, I think, a couch and a end table. So I wasn't living like in an empty room. <laughs> and I moved up and started working on Jedi at, at, at just turned 19. That's and then did, yeah, it was great. It was, and so how did it feel? It was like, you know, my head exploded. I mean, I, you know, I always jokingly say I would have paid them, but uh, considering what they were paying me, it was about the same. <laughs> uh, I remember it took me two years to save up enough money for a, a camera, a Nikon camera, which was, you know, but I, I, it was amazing. I mean, it was like film school on times a thousand. And, and, you know, looking back, I'm more amazed than I was at the time because you're in it and you're just, I mean, I, I'm an exuberant person and this is me mellowed out. I used to be like oh, super hyper. And so, uh, <laughs> in fact, I found <clears throat> when I left ILM, which is about three years later, they did a going away card for me. And I think even George signed it. I got to find it. I'm making an NFT. Uh, <laughs> but everyone on the crew signed it and it just said, so long, goof. And it's me with my Greek fisherman's hat covered in paint and latex and materials because I was just kind of working in the mold and paint shop. And uh, I just had this big, stupid grin. And that was me, just this big, goofy guy having a great time. But I had the skills, you know, the rudimentary skills. It's kind of like these days, the equivalent of knowing how to use Photoshop. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a great painter. You just have to know how to do files. And, you know, so I knew how to make molds, cast uh, latex and silicone or, you know, make silicone molds and to paint. And I had, I had artistic skills. I was an artist and kind of self-taught. So that's how I got the job. And then it was just, you know, that classic thing of who do you know? I just happened to know the guy who ran the art, ran the entire art department. So thank God you didn't listen to your friends at lunch that day. I mean, thank God for all of us because um, oh, you've, brought, you've, you've done, a, like I said, your resume like speaks for itself. And then, you know, you're at, you're at Star Wars. I mean, like at the time, like, you know, the, a new hope, which was like you said, it was that was what Star Wars was at the time. Right, right. You know, we didn't know what we, we never called. No one called it a new hope until like, right. until like, you until know, the late yeah, until 90s. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but that's at that point in that era, that was like the biggest movie. Yeah. So to get that is amazing. And then you go on to work for another classic space franchise. Yeah. Star Trek. Both, and you work both. with Leonard Nimoy. Also. Yeah. Just like a legend in this field. I mean, it, it, your mind's got to just be blowing crazy, <laughs> well, right? I mean, so what, what happened was I, ILM was really starting to develop what ultimately became uh, their computer graphics division. It was very, very new. I, I think even the second year there, so 82, they kind of opened what became Pixar, who was called Pixar, I think, even then. And it was like five or seven computer engineers building their software and their interface. And so they let artists go over and play with their paint program. So I used to go over and just, they said, you know, have half an hour and tell us what you like, what you don't like, or what you want. So I did that a few times. But then while I was still working there, they did Star Trek 2 and 3. And I saw, you know, the, the Genesis device and stuff they did for uh, young Sherlock Holmes. You know, they did the, the window pane guy. So I'm like, computers are going to take over this business, this industry. Just then I was thinking special effects, not everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I said, I, I, so I finished up on Gremlins. I did some rock videos with David Fincher. I was a, a production, I was his production designer on, on gosh, about six or seven rock videos, mainly with Rick Springfield. Mm -hmm. And then um, I said, I'm going to go back to UCLA because I only done one quarter and learn computer animation, which I found out you could jump right into. You didn't have to have years and years of experience. You could go right into the animation department. It turned out that was like the secret weapon. You could touch a camera day one. If I'd known that, I probably never would have left. So maybe it's good. I didn't know. But as long as your film has anime, it could have animated credits and then it could be live action. They didn't care. Oh, wow. So I went back and I started studying animation and computers. And while I was there, Paramount sent 
out the word that Leonard Nimoy was looking for an assistant on Star Trek Four. Now, I'd been on set in Star Trek Three. Uh, if you remember the Klingon dog, the lizard dog that was, uh, you know, uh, Christopher Lloyd's like evil pet sitting next to him. <laughs> well, that was me. I was puppeteering it. I was crouched. I was crammed under the captain's chair, and there was a hole cut in the side. My arm was out of it, and I was doing that dog. So, uh, and I did a couple other things. Again, coming down from ILM. So I'd met Leonard, but you know, he wouldn't know me from Adam. But what it didn't hurt. When I went to meet with him, I said, you know, actually, I worked on Star Trek 2 and 3. I was on set with you on 3, and I was this and that. And he's like, oh, I don't vaguely remember, you know. <laughs> uh, but what really kind of sealed the deal was I just left ILM, like, months earlier and knew everyone. And he wanted someone. He confided in me that he felt like he wanted, he felt like they could tell him something and he had no way to doubt the veracity of it. Not they thought they were lying, but, you know, like, oh, we can't do that. And. So we wanted someone who knew that world. So that I kind of was tailor-made for the job. And then we hit it off like a house on fire. He became like, like my favorite uncle, you know, who just was like always curious about, he wasn't just like show up, hi chief, and we go to work. He was always asking about my life and your parents, and your family. He was an amazingly warm guy and super kind to me. And I learned about directing a film and I went from watching a giant movie get made from like, you know, kind of a working grunt to how you direct and work with the studio and work with producers and work with your actors from the second draft of the script. So that was amazing. And he let me do, I wrote dialogue in the movie. I was a, I was a voice, I was the computer voice in the beginning who said logic is the men of our civilization, which is sending cast using like, correct. So I wrote all those questions. He goes, uh, well, he and Harv Bennett said, Harv, you like, Harv was like, you like the science fiction stuff. I just write a bunch of like scientifically related questions that, you know, sound very, like you'd have to be really smart to know it and throw in some Star Trek stuff from canon and also, you know, and I was a huge Trek fan. So I knew like, you know, T. Plana Hoth, the matron of Vulcan philosophy, I made her up, but now she's canon. And also she was an Easter egg. T. Plana Hoth is planet Hoth, just with the letters switched a little bit. Yeah. That was my my subtle nod to, to Star Wars. Um, So I got to write that. I got to be the punk on the bus. I got to write and sing the song. So I got to do so much. I was kind of uh, instrumental in, in working with the art department because again, I knew all the guys at ILM, the, sorry, that ILM's art, Nilo Rodas was our uh, designer. So an amazing job. The reason my band in the movie that does I Hate You is called Edge of Etiquette is that the producer, uh, Ralph Winter, I would go to meetings as Leonard. I was like, you know, the, the representative of the king. And and he would just say, just make sure this and this. So I'd go and I'd say, well, you know, or I'd just come back and report to him, not like I was making major decisions. But uh, uh, Ralph, because of my sense of humor and my kind of edgy sense of humor. He said, you're, you're the edge of etiquette or you walk the edge of etiquette. Um, <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you say stuff that no one else would, you know, they get pilloried for it, but because you're Leonard's guy and because you're young, you kind of get away with it. And it was like, kind of like a court gesture. He's like, yeah, exactly. Like you're the one guy who could say that. And usually it was based on some version of the truth, like slightly sarcastic. Anyway, that's why. <laughs> so he dubbed me the Edge of Etiquette. So that's why the band is named the Edge of Etiquette. Very and cool. I had a great time. Yeah. And then really right after, I think before Star Trek was released, because it was released in the in the fall, I met Jim Henson through a mutual friend, his the director of the first Muppet movie, Jim Frawley. His wife was an effects uh, representative for a big effects company in, L in LA called uh, Omnibus Abel, Robert Abel's company. And so she and I became friends because they were trying to get work on the Star Trek films. And so we met with them and then she and I just hit it off. She had a great sense of humor. And so she said, you know, you Jim Henson, I was showing her stuff I was developing, which was creatures and puppets and kind of comedy. And she said, do you, do you like the Muppets? I said, yeah, they're amazing. I grew up on them. And she said, you like to meet Jim Henson. I think he'd get, I think you guys would get each other. And so I did. So I went from, 
you know, George Lucas, Phil Tippett and those guys to Leonard Nimoy and those guys to Jim Henson all in the space of about five years. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know it's, it's kind of amazing. And I didn't pay anybody, anyone for that. Anyway, <laughs> I think part of it is when you're young and you have that much enthusiasm, you're seen as, as harmless and that I'm not going to take anyone's job. And I think people love it when you, someone's enthusiastic about what you do, you know, and has questions. I mean, I, I, you know, I get, I say kids now, it's weird, but, uh, you know, people in their twenties and who, you know, just, I mean, I've been on Twitter like for three days, just answering it simple questions that I can, but, uh, you know, paying it forward. So mm-hmm. anyway, then I met Jim and we worked together the, the last five years he was alive, starting with the Jim Henson hour and then ending with dinosaurs. The last thing we were working on was dinosaurs, the TV series when I was designing the, um, the characters and helping kind of figure out what that show would be and then the characters for that. I, you know, I used to love that it was, uh, it was TGI Fridays, wasn't that on ABC TGI? I think Fridays? it started, yeah. Then they yeah. moved to Wednesday. They bumped it around a couple times, but yeah, it was a big part of Fridays, you know, yep. with the uh, like Full House and all that. Yeah. Yep. Not the mama was the baby's yeah. uh, classic uh, line. Yeah. Not so, your mama. Yep. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah. I mean, and you have like a bunch of other stuff too. Gremlins, like you said, Poltergeist, ET. Yeah. I mean, like, and to meet those three individuals. I think anyone would feel blessed just working with one of those individuals. <laughs> you work closely with all three, and that yeah. is outstanding. It's astonishing. Well, I, I didn't work closely with George. I worked closely with Phil Tippett and Chris Wallace. Um, George was around, but he was very, very, um, he's just, people just say he was shy, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't come up and go, hey, Kirk, how's it going, buddy? You know, he, I, that was me. I'd be like, hey, George, how's it going today? I'm like, oh, it's good, you know, <laughs> uh, which is fine. But but the other two were, you know, Chris Wallace, Phil Tippett, and then Leonard and, and Jim were all became really good friends. I mean, uh, Leonard was texting me and we were emailing each other, I think a week till a week before he passed away. Uh, Jim, I had met with, I was, I had lunch and a meeting with him on the Friday before he passed away on the mm. Tuesday, I think. So uh, yeah, just, you know, amazingly fortunate. And again, I think partly it was my enthusiasm. I had skill set. I mean, I, not like I was just some idiot. Mm-hmm. Well, I was some idiot, but I was an idiot who could draw. <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, they, Leonard just really liked my, when we first had lunch, he just asked me very, very, I would say off topic questions. And like, what are your favorite movies? You know, why, what your favorite art style? And I had opinions on all this because I was an art, I was an art history major. That's what I chose at UCLA when I wasn't going to be a filmmaker or a film major. So, and, and it turns out Leonard was a huge fan of the arts. He was a photographer. And so I had enough opinions and knowledge of those things that he thought were important to not necessarily do you know where the camera goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and also just dumb luck, you know, everyone's like, how did you do that? And I was like, I was nice. I was enthusiastic and I was lucky, you know, and you were talented. Yeah. I, you know, it's always weird to say it. I was talented. I mean, it was uh, talented well, let us say it for you. I know I uh, saying, but we'll say it for you then you don't have to. I, I <laughs> just, I, I, I said, look, I didn't have much of a social life. Let's put it that way. Like most nerds, uh, you know, I was either drawing or painting or watching movies or making movies. I wasn't out, you know, going to the hop with the. Betty Sue, <laughs> um, which, you know, I, I also bugged me, but I, I had that passion. I knew what I wanted to do. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, fortune favors the the prepared. And when I met these people, I already knew about, A, I knew about Star Wars. I knew about Star Trek and I knew about creatures. And that was my passion. So it just, you know, it all kind of clicked. That's awesome. So we we flash forward. You get your first chance to direct in what was it, 2002. Yeah. to um the the muppets christmas special yeah what's now you had other you had you had all these other things going on what's it yeah. like to finally now you're in charge you're at the helm you're the director it was, what's that it was, like to take that leap well i'd done little bits i'd done these little muppet like you know you call them viral videos but this is before the internet really had it was able to show videos uh i'd done it for the 
I'd done them for the uh, Hallmark Henson channel. Uh, one of the, one of my favorites that's still on the internet is, uh, well, there's two. One was the, the uh, Muppets auditioning for Star Wars for Yoda. So I wrote and directed that. And then I did the Muppet Godfather with, <laughs> with Kermit as, as, as Don, what do we call him? Fozzie was Fozzie Berzini, which makes you laugh if you're a Godfather <laughs> fan. I think Kermit, oh, the Frogfather, that was it. He's like, so Fozzie comes in ex- complaining that these two men, you know, make fun of him and all that. And, and Kermit's like, and, and Steve Whitmer is doing Kermit that time. is like, oh, Fozzie Berzini, you're a good friend. You know, he's doing Kermit, but like his mouth full of cotton. He <laughs> even stuffed like ping pong balls in Kermit's mouth. So you look like this. <laughs> and, uh, and then we see Stalin Waldorf eating at a, uh, eating at a restaurant, like an Italian <laughs> restaurant, and these two pies come in and hit him in the face and slow them. And they're like, so it's our little homage <laughs> to the Godfather. Love uh, so I'd done little things, but yeah, the, the, uh, an entire feature length movie was a little nerve wracking. Brian Henson was incredibly helpful and, you know, gave me pointers, you know, what did do's and don'ts. He actually had a little like PDF document of kind of like the five things to remember when you're directing puppets and how to frame them. And, and so he was my godfather on that. And uh, after the first week, Dave Goals, who's, you know, been a Muppet performer since I think 1970, came up to me. And Dave and I had kind of circled each other for the whatever that was, 15 years we I've been working there. And that uh, I was the funny guy. He was a funny guy. He was single dating. I was single and dating. And I considered him a friend, but not like close. But he came up to me and he gave me a huge hug. He said, man, this is what you were meant to do. And he even said, we always thought you were the goofy guy with a funny joke. And, you know, you're kind of edgier than the classic Muppet stuff. Because I'd written I'd written Treasure Island with Jerry Jewell. So they all knew me. Mm-hmm. He said, but this, you are so good. You know what you want. You know, the whole tech stuff. And he's been my biggest supporter out of the puppeteers since since then just and it comes up and thanks me every time and like i'm so glad you're doing this which meant a lot to me because dave was like i mean gonzo and dave yeah. and bunsen honey like one of my idols um not that you know you can rate them but he was one of the guys whose characters really resonated with me because we were really similar we both have that kind of crazy part to our brain where it just kind of spirals out and you enjoy that so after that first week, I really, it helped. And then my, my first AD was a lovely gal. Uh, this is all up in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Um, Patrice, she just was like, you're, you know, she and I would just like a team, you know, and she was great. And she kind of, you know, was the, <laughs> the training wheels. And so we did this movie and everyone liked it. You know, in fact, like, I think one of the reviews was the Muppets are back and they've got that same tone and everything. And uh, yeah, then I did, uh, uh, Wizard of Oz and then Letters to Santa I did with the Henson Company because at that time after we'd done uh, Very Merry was with the Henson Company and then they sold to Disney so Wizard of Oz and Letters to Santa was with Disney and in, and after that I did a, a Turkey Hollow mm-hmm. which was really fun which was an idea Jim and Jerry Jewell had had back in the 60s and they said originally I was supposed to write and direct it but because of Canadian content issues and all that I, I couldn't do both so I said well, I'd rather direct it so I got to direct that and that was a little fun Thanksgiving special with Mary Steenburgen and uh, on Lifetime and then yeah it kind of comes up to I did uh, well I did the, I created the show Christine the Curious Creations of Christine McConnell with the Henson Company because uh, at that time Disney and the Muppets were just doing a lot of viral videos or stuff I was involved in the big mm-hmm. two features they did uh, the Muppets and uh, Muppets Most Wanted and then the ABC series they did not involve me I'm not sure why but I think part of it was Jason Siegel's attitude of like well nobody the Muppets haven't done anything good since Jim passed away and I was like well I don't criticize his career and then you know tr- whatever <laughs> uh, so there was this kind of tone of like oh the Muppets 
the people don't know what they're doing. We need we need big celebrities and stars and you know and and hit TV show writers. And so that's what they tried, and you know, everything was okay. I don't. I mean, some people love it. Some people hate it. I personally wasn't a huge fan of any of it because. I think there's a level of silliness and joy that was missing. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know, they're so focused on, you, I don't know, again, this is my opinion. So yeah. other people might say you're absolutely wrong. But, and I, and there were elements of all that I really liked. Um, anyway, so during that time, I did uh, Turkey Hollow and I did um, The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell, which was great because I got to create my own show with Christine. You know, she had very strong opinions and ideas, which was great. And so we worked together and I created the show around her and created all those characters, the creatures. And then I wrote four out of the six and then directed all of them. And that was great. That was the first time I was a showrunner, a director, and a writer. And, mm. and that, that's a great feeling as a creative person. You know, you have, I mean, you're still listening to executives and studios and all that, but you're a little higher up the food chain than a guy making creatures. And then uh, Disney moved the Muppets to Imagineering. They're now kind of managed. They've been changed, I think, five times now, uh, management within the company. Mm-hmm. And now they, so around 2018, they moved over to Imagineering. Well, we did the Hollywood Bowl show and the London, the live shows. Again, people, again, I was writing and directing again. Uh, co-writing on on that, of course, and uh, got a huge response. They're like, oh, the Muppets are back. It's like the Muppet Show. So every time I seem to do something, everyone's like, oh, it's great. The Muppets are back. And then they go off with someone else. It's Hollywood, you know, they're yeah. a bunch of, you know, <laughs> and I get it. I get it. Like I said, if a plumber came to your house and he'd done, you know, Liberace's house and done 12 toilets and was fabulous. You like, we hire that guy or the guy down the street who just is a local boy, but, you know, has, has a plumber, but he's not sexy yeah so uh anyway we did uh those shows they got a lot of great reviews and then muppets now came about and i did three segments on that the uh, peppy game show again not writing i mean peppy i had more influence only because it was very improv and in the moment mm-hmm. but there were there were scripts uh and then um Miss Piggy's, and then the uh, Bunsen and Beaker science ones, uh, Muppet Labs, uh, live experiments. So I got to direct those and then uh, nothing for like a year. And then we started developing uh, Haunted Mansion, uh, first as an outline and then as a like a beat outline with every scene. And we were originally going to shoot it in 2020, but then COVID hit. Yeah. But let, let me ask you a question. How did that come about? Did you really have an idea for this or did they approach you? I'd been wanting to do a Halloween uh, special with the Muppets for almost 30, from since about 93, when I kind of was finishing up on dinosaurs and sort of before Treasure Island kicked in. And uh, I think after Treasure Island, so about 95, 96, Jim Lewis and I wrote a Halloween special. Very different story because we obviously don't own the haunted didn't own the haunted mansion had no access so that one was them about about them turning into classic movie monsters and it became a video game muppet i think it's muppet monster madness and so that was our first we wrote it as a special then we wrote it as a feature and then special again and then we wrote this is all jim lewis and i uh we wrote uh uh, like I don't remember the title, but it was basically like a Muppet Ghostbusters, except they become ghosts. Uh, like mm-hmm. five Muppets become ghosts and have to be rescued. They're not killed; they're magically transformed into ghosts. <laughs> and they they went to ghost training school and then had to go kind of rescue themselves and also rescue Piggy. <clears throat> and then I wrote Muppets. I wrote a movie called Muppets in Space, which was a Star Wars Star Trek parody, sort of mm-hmm. along the lines of like kind of like Spaceballs, you know. Yep. But it wasn't so much just Star Wars. It was a little bit. It was a, a potpourri of science fiction tropes from Aliens and Star Wars and Star Trek and you know uh, Forbidden Planet. And that was just me on my own. And then they were gonna when at the end of the '90s, Disney and so- uh, Sony took over from Disney and distribution. Disney wanted to do that, but then Sony. 
uh, took over and they wanted to do Jerry Jewell had written a very sweet small script. It was called Star Gonzos. And then that ended up becoming uh, Muppets. It was called Star Gonzos. And then they said, well, we're going to call it, we like your title of your script. So we're going to call this Muppets in Space. I said, but it's not. You know, that gives an unfair, you know, that's like saying uh, Sleepless in Seattle, Seattle is called like Sexy Death Romp. It means it's not that. <laughs> so I said, well, if you're going to use that title, make it Muppets from Space, but then you're going to give away the end of your movie. And they said, oh, we don't care. It's a good title. So they used my title and I did a bunch of rewrites on it and uh, directed second unit on that. So that was my first kind of thing with a full crew on a feature, but I was a second unit director. That's um, awesome. And at that point, I'd kind of given up by the early 2000s. But then the idea came back when the Hensons still owned it. No, I think Disney had bought it at that point and wrote another uh, special. And this time it was in New York with the Muppet Monsters. So it wasn't really ghosts, but it was a Halloween-y themed thing. And then they did another one with two other writers and I was going to direct and that fell through. So an idea I had forever and still, you know, my pitch was it's this Halloween's the second largest holiday in America in terms of dollars spent and excitement. Why are, you know, we have eight Christmas specials, like let's do at least, let's do at least one. Yeah. And uh, so finally, after Imagineering took over, after we'd done Muppets Now, they came to me about a year later and said, you know, we're interested. What do you think about the Muppets in the Haunted Mansion or using the Haunted Mansion for Halloween special? Because they knew I wanted to do one. And I said, that's amazing because I was a huge Mansion fan. Mm-hmm. I grew up near Disney or, you know, in L.A. So I went to Disneyland all the time. And the Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Tiki Room were my triumvirate. Those are the big three that shaped my taste, my career. I'm a Tiki fan. Obviously, I'm Haunted yep. Mansion Tiki shirt. I have a, <laughs> Love it. My, my family room is all tiki kind of of spooky tiki so i just was like that's amazing so uh, bill beretta jim lewis and kelly younger and i sat down and and kind of wrote the outline and incorporated because i was out of everyone i was the mansion fan like i knew i could do the the spiel the dialogue almost verbatim all the way through Mm -hmm. so I, i got to really do a love letter to the haunted mansion and to the muppets so it was just you know one of those rare opportunities in your lifetime to do something you were genetically engineered to do you know, it, it had to be a tough project because you're taking on two sacred pieces of work, right? Muppets and the Haunted Mansion, both are very sacred in, in their respects. Yeah. And um, you did a great job of being able to combine it. And I know there's a lot of purists out there that you knew were going to have that, yeah. no matter how great it was, there, there, yes. there's going to be people oh, yeah. that are going to just be like, well, what about? The-? But I, I really feel like you did a great, great job that, of it, being able to cater to, to both purists on both right. aspects of it because they're we, they're. The response has been that, uh, you know, you never know. I mean, I, I, what's funny for me is after it launched on uh, midnight on thir- last Thursday, October, was that 8th, 7th? Yes, oh, yeah, think, October 8th, midnight, October 8th. So the, the dawn of October 8th, Friday night, I stress ate a box of cookies because there was so <laughs> much love. And I call it love, but, you know, accolades saying we loved it, it was great. And to me, that feels like love. I mean, again, yeah. I don't have a wife, I don't have kids, I focus on my work. And so when that gets that much appreciation, I feel loved because that's my own screwed up psychology but so it freaked me out i've never had like i said 90 percent of the time the reviews are that was nice it was fun you know the muppets did a thing <laughs> or you know jim henson spinning in his grave uh and exactly like the the fear was oh my god we have disney fans and Muppets, and that was just usually from muppet stuff but i think because i was such a huge mansion fan and we had imagineering as our backup like they were our you know, the environment. And so we had these two writers uh, and, and Imagineers who knew everything about the mansion. They gave us this amazing Bible, if you will, with all the details and closest to the wallpaper. So my production designer, Darcy Prevo, who's another huge mansion fan, she and I just kind of geeked out and like, we, we found out stuff we didn't know, like character mm. names. Like the one thing that stuck with me is the guy hanging off the chandelier with his umbrella. 
in kind of that old like Charles Dickens kind. Of, his name is Pickwick. There's no way you would yeah. ever know that. Yeah. Yep. So uh, we, you know, we, we made Chip play Pickwick. That sounds like he didn't want to. Uh, we cast <laughs> Chip as Pickwick. But in the writing, I would say it wasn't that difficult because we followed the mansion story. There is a story and a and a path. And so I just said, well, let's use the mansion ride as our guide. In other words, what you experience time wise. Mm-hmm. And then we added plot points. You know, and they, I mean, first of all, they're just exploring it. They meet the ghost host, and then they see and they meet Miss Piggy and say, how do we get out of here? And then she sends them this one way, and then you know, they, so it just it. it in that sense, it's just like the Odyssey, you know, they just kind of get the experience. It's a linear story. But yep. then the plot really kicks in after the ballroom. So the first 25 minutes is exploring the mansion, having all the fun with the tropes of the mansion, with the graveyard. And we got to write those songs, which was great. That was the yep. other thing. So Kelly, Bill and I wrote the lyrics like we wrote the songs and our composer, uh, Ed Mitchell and his partner, Steve Russell, his music partner, uh, wrote the score to our lyrics or wrote the music. Sorry, the song music to our lyrics and did the score. And so that was really fun because I've written songs before. I mean, obviously with uh, I Hate You, but <laughs> but other things I've done. And so this, you know, it's out on an album. The day the movie launched, they released it digitally. You can, it's a four song EP with Dancing in the Moonlight, which was great. The Electric yep. Mayhem and then our, our, our three songs. But because we followed the mansion lore, we used Constant as the main threat for Pepe. And then what we got to create was if you... And, and again, this is part of the mansion, 999 Happy Haunts. There's always room for one more. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, that's the mansion wants you to join them. And so that kind of uh, informed uh, the life hereafter. It's a bunch of ghosts saying how great it is. Sleepless nights, eternal laughter. It's always fun. It's a party because yeah. you're at this ballroom. You know, later at the wedding, you hear Uncle Deadly like, it's not all wakes and weddings, my friend. <laughs> so, so, you know, but again, that was in, if you listen, if you know the mansion, just the storyline that's told through the ghost host and the visuals, we kind of had a path. And I think the Imagineering people were so happy. They said, you know, they really didn't have a lot of notes. Their notes were like, oh, the wallpaper is purple, not blue. Or, you know, this character's called Pickwick. And and they were super happy. They're, they're, after our first draft, their main note was, you nailed the tone between grim and grinning. Mm-hmm. They said that there've been over a, a couple hundred projects over the years, animated series, movies, TV series, comic books, you know, all these things with the mansion. And they said, usually it was hard for people to exactly that, find that tone where it's not too scary because it's not a horror movie and it's yep. not too kidsy. It's not just like, you know, the SpongeBob in a, in a haunted house. Not that I'm not throwing shade at SpongeBob. I would love to do that, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's two different companies. Um, yeah. I mean, I know that's two different companies, but so we didn't really, it wasn't as hard as I think we feared it would be, or because we thought it would be hard. We were very diligent in making sure we hit almost every note you find in the mansion and that our story didn't kind of go against canon you know mm-hmm. it wasn't like suddenly oh the vampires live there and they're trying to convert you to their cult you know we didn't add anything we just sort of uh it was like i would say it, my rule i learned uh in improv is yes and mm-hmm. yes and there's <laughs> host yes and there's 990 ghosts and there's room for one more so and they want you to be that one more hence they do that whole number of like welcome to your funeral um and that is literally a singing wake <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> a, a swinging wake because it's done to swing music, which again was intentional. Like, yeah, it's called a swinging wake, so we made it a swing music. Yeah, I, you know, and I I thought was really clever how you in that in that first interaction with Gonzo, uh, Pepe, and Will Arnett, where he's yeah. using a lot of the lingo that you hear 
yeah. uh, the ghost hosts say, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, and it came off really well. And I just, and it was, it thank was you. Their banter back and forth with the, oh, do you speak Spanish? And he goes, no, but he, <laughs> he speaks Spanish to him half the movie. I, a lot of the jokes that were really funny. Um, Pepe to me is one of the most undersung um, uh, Muppet characters because I feel like he never really gets, it's like, he never really gets like that front of the, of the line push. And I feel like he was, he was my favorite part of this movie too. His I comedy was, yeah. and Bill Beretta, I know, does the voice. Bill Beretta, obviously, like a Muppet legend, and, and puppeteers him. Yeah, yeah, he does. Duck, he duck, he duck, created him. Yeah, Doctor Teeth, Ralph, yeah. uh, Chef. I mean, just he. Uh, you know, I love, I love his body of work too. But yeah, I thought that Pepe was just the funniest part of of this of this episode. Well, you know, I was very involved in creating Pepe back when it was Pepe and Seymour, and then Bill came up with the Spanish accent, and one of the puppet builders, and I wish I knew his. I could remember his name right now uh said because originally it was like maybe it's an elephant and a mouse and this puppet builder said what if he's a jumbo and shrimp and I'm like then he did this puppet I'm like that's amazing and then bill put it on and this character exploded but pepe is one of my favorite it, it, out of all the new characters is my favorite mm-hmm. and 90 percent of that's due to bill and he just has this funny but i i said since the beginning i started writing remotes we need our daffy duck we need the guy who's yep. selfish and doesn't want to sing kumbaya with them and kind of like <laughs> yep. i you know in the movie i don't want to hang out with the muffins so i want to go to a big hollywood party <laughs> so it it always helps to have someone who can kind of poke fun at the franchise and yeah. so he, you know, he never gets their name right. He calls uh, Walter Howard. He calls Kermit Kerman, you know, Fotsy Bear. He, he gets all their names wrong, which is us making fun of the people who say, oh, I love the muffins. And we've <laughs> literally met with with rock stars and actors who want to do something with us and have called us the muffins the entire meeting. And, and you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that commercial where the guy's in a meeting goes, well, Mr. Dumbass, you know, if you hire me, dumbass, you have a, and then you see the, the nameplate and it's Dumas. That's kind of what happens. Like, oh no, I really want to work with them muffins. Like my restaurant chain, we'll have we'll have muffins everywhere. Just like, okay, you've already lost the interview. Uh, But yeah, Bill's amazing, and it was really. I mean, it's two things. It was desire to have Pepe have a lead role because for all the reasons you said, and I love writing for him. Like he lives in my. I wrote Jim Lewis again. Wrote an entire telenovela with Pepe as the lead as the most successful uh, uh, orthodontist in LA, but he was doing a deal with, uh, with unscrupulous rats who were Colombian Novocaine dealers. (laughs) And so it was this dumb six part uh, telenovela and we were going to have all Latin actors and actresses and the cameos. And uh, so I'd written, you know, entire series for Pepe, you know, small, like British style, six episodes. But uh, for me, it was just so much fun to write him. And then Bill's in the writing room. So you really got pure, you know, he would say, you know, don't let's not say, okay, at the end of every sentence. And, and he would tailor it. So I think that's why he really sings, you know, and it resonates in, in this yeah. because A, we wanted to write him, B, Bill was there and B, Bill's playing it. So it was very, very organic. And then Gonzo has always been my favorite Muppet out of the, the Pantheon and Uncle Deadly. I love, I've tried to create a series with Uncle Deadly because I just think he's so funny and I'm so happy. And one of the things I was happy about Muppets, uh, the Muppet ABC series was they brought Uncle Deadly back and I think they used them in a really good way. It's sort of the queenie, you know, consigliere to Miss Piggy. It's like, <laughs> yes, darling. It's just funny to me. <laughs> and also he's, you know, he's sort of like if, if Vincent Price was on, um, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race as a judge. <laughs> That's a great. <laughs> yes, marvelous. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it was great having Pepe as as the lead, and and I wanted to do something with him for a number of years, and this was this was our chance. And the other thing is just geographically, he and Dave live in the West Coast, so they could do it more easily than flying everyone out from New York and putting them up. And that's mm-hmm. that's a big that can be a big expense. 
Yeah. You got to put them up and feed them. They're so fussy. Yeah, these divas. Yeah, these <laughs> divas. divas. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and you know, you're talking about the cameos and stuff. I, I they always have the greatest cameos. They always kind of fit in that you know the Muppets, and, and this is no exception. Like I heard Denny Trio was going to be. And I'm like, I got to see the connection with Denny Trio and the Muppets. I mean, this is going to be um, my only, my only. If I have ever had a complaint about this. We just needed a little bit more Uncle Hewitt. I think that's all I, I, I agree. Well, yeah, he had some great ad libs, but the one we used was like, "Bring me some tacos." Um, <laughs> I love Danny's great. We I think we've used him in everything we've shot since uh, Muppets, the Muppet movie that uh, Jason Siegel did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's featured pretty big uh, in a big way in uh, Most Wanted because he's at the prison. Mm-hmm. He was in the Hollywood Bowl show. We did a uh, doctor. What is it? Um, Vince Hospital, and Danny Trejo was the patient. So yeah, we love Danny, and we'll use him in everything we do because yeah, he, he's just. Yeah, he, he, I would say you know what it is. He's one of these guys too. You see him in his in the roles that he normally does, and it just seems so like what's the most opposite of a guy you could put in the Muppets? And it's right. this guy because he just plays his character so well. He always seems like seems like this angry, yeah, menacing guy, and then you put him into a Muppet movie, and it just fits like but it, 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 it it sets off. I mean, I think one great thing about the Muppets is you can play. In fact, when we were doing Muppets Tonight, all the guest stars, we said, what is it that you want to do or you do that nobody knows you do or what role do you want to play you never get to play? And the people who really embraced that were Garth Brooks and Pierce Brosnan. Garth was doing Fiddler on the Roof and, you know, and <laughs> Prince. We put Prince in Hee Haw, you know, and because we just said, do you lie? And they're like, yeah, I never get to do that. You know, I'm always sexy, cool Prince. We're going to put you in Hee Haw. Um, you know, uh, Pierce Brosnan, we're going to put you in a giant lobster suit. And and he said, I want to eat fire. I used to be a fire eater when I was in high school age in the in a carnival or circus. Oh, wow. So he did a fire eating bit. He almost burned his face off, too. And then, yeah, Garth Brooks really jumped into it. Like, we, he played Tom Jones. He did Fiddler on the Roof where he's kicking chickens. Um, and, and they love that. So I think with Danny, it's like, you know, I don't have to play machete every time. I can yeah. be... And this one, he's just a ghost behind bars. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, all our cameos are great. Chrissy Metz and Sashir. Uh, yeah. Great cameos. And again, you want, it seems embarrassing, like come in and say your two lines. Because you got to put makeup and everything, put them on a green screen, do all yeah. light them. And then they say their two or three lines and then they go. And yeah, it's 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 lovely that they'll do that. I think they just like to play with the Muppets. So. I, I think that's what it is, too. I think A is a couple of things, I think. I think once you're asked to be a, a, a cameo appearance on the Muppets, you know you made it, right? That's one thing. And I think it's because it's also like, I mean, the Muppets are so legendary. Like I said, you had so many good, so many good cameos in this one. Alfonso Ribeiro, John Stamos, yeah. Taraji P. Henson. Yeah. I mean, it, the list Yvette just Nicole, goes on. Yeah, Yvette Yvette Nicole Brown. Brown. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so Darren Chris. I mean, there's just so many of them. Yeah. So I think when they say, you know what, it's probably easy work for them, and it's probably just super, super fun to be able to come in well, and, say, and be part uh, of it. Yeah, it's easy for most of them. Darren Chris had to carry a whole song number by himself. Uh, that is true. He had the it, biggest part in it. Yeah, in a set that was only twenty feet wide, so we had to keep. <laughs> stopping and chanting like we were literally switching to gravestones like when we were originally designing i said oh it's just a long dolly shot right so he learns the song and you know we can stop and start and overlap it but nope we had we had enough room <laughs> for two gravestones so we put two gravestones he'd walk you know left to right and then we'd stop and then move the set around so it changed the background so he had a tough job and he did it in like an afternoon and evening like it was and there was no rehearsal it's just like i mean we'd rehearse right before he shot it but he was amazing and then both uh taraji and uh, will arnett i mean they worked two long days yeah. All this stuff in two days. Wow, really? Um, and Will had to do, you know, he had to lip sync to his own singing because we pre-recorded him. And Taraji, too, like we pre-recorded the song. And they both, I mean, Will Arnett is just, you know, a comedy god and his improvs. I mean, you could make another, you know, all, you could have 
probably two different versions, two more different versions of his scenes because of his improvs. And we used some of them and some we didn't. Um, but he was just so fun to work with and, and focused on and, you know, played that character. He, I yeah. mean, Will Arnett's voice is kind of down here anyway. So it was like when we cast him, like, well, he's a gruffer version of like, you know, welcome foolish mortals. But and and he got it. And he uh, I think he embraced the silliness. And it was great. What was fun was the movie that no one will ever see, which is him goofing around with Gonzo and Pepe when they're not being filmed mm-hmm. they, he stayed in character and just you know keep the energy up yeah. and the puppeteers don't just drop their hands they're there and they're they're goofing around and singing and, and they like within two days they had inside jokes they were doing with each other and it's only cool. it's frustrating because i was like the friend who wasn't invited to the party so i'm watching <laughs> from the monitors watching them have a blast and i'm like I, I you know i want to make jokes too but i gotta <laughs> figure out what the next shot is and then That's taraji awesome. taraji had a blast she was giggling and laughing she loved being there and literally worked herself to exhaustion that second day because we just had so much to shoot we had a tremendous tremendous actress and, and that's another one too does a lot of serious roles yeah and it gets over it gets to come over you know empire and, and that's and, what i mean she plays and this. then it gets to come over to the muppets and just have yeah. some fun i mean that's and that's one of the selling points i think for you guys is yeah. you get they get to come here and they get to like yeah. have fun it's like being it's like being a kid in disneyland and just getting to play with like the characters well, most actors are playful and imaginative. That's part of the job. And so with the Muppets, you can't really do anything wrong. You can go over the top. I worked with Joan Cusack on uh, Very Merry Muppet Christmas. I would say you can go bigger. I can go bigger. And she's like, what? I'm like, one more, do whatever you want, go crazy. And she's just like, you know, because she's not a subtle, I mean, she can be, but when she's doing comedy, she can be really big and use her face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh man, you're working with the Muppets. You can, and so a Taraji man just embraced that. And that last shot in the song number where she's like, ah! and the camera moves in. Like literally, we shot that. And everyone broke into applause at, at cut because she's just you're just riveted to the screen. So yeah, we we were very fortunate with all our cast, and and hopefully they had fun. We we, we worked them to the bone, but uh, it wasn't only for a couple of days. So. You know, it, it looks like they like they did because it, it was just like I said. You could just you could t- you can watch a movie and sense the chemistry. And when you did a, like when you did this obviously it wasn't like you had like months and months to do this um so you could see that there was that it was like an instant chemistry especially when you're not dealing with people it's like it's like i gotta feel like that's gotta be kind of hard in the beginning when you when you're talking to a puppet like to get that i mean maybe i guess if you're an actor it's easy to you i don't know and and that that is you don't yeah you've got to fight your self-consciousness and if they've taken the job, it's not like they don't know what the Muppets are. That's true. And the tone is there. It's like you, I think part of it is too, you can never appear foolish next to a Muppet unless you don't play the game. Yeah. It's, 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 it's improv. It, you know, part of the Muppets, which I learned from directing them in day one is you have your script and your blueprint and your shot list, and then you get there and you <laughs> freewheel it. You know, you, you yep. know what you have to get and how to get it. But then, you know, the performers are so invested in those characters and, you know, I, I try to at least, I said, it's somewhat being like a camp counselor. It's like, okay, we're all here. Here's the equipment. Here's the, here's the goal, but let's have fun. Cause if, I mean, I've always said, if you're not having fun doing a muck movie, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, for sure. Because, and, and, and hopefully, and I, I got that from Jim, you know, just being around him and, and he was just there watching and chuckling and like, he'll come up and do silly stuff, you know, even and he's not, I remember Peter Harris, who directed the, uh, most of the Muppets, the original Muppet show seasons was saying, uh, there was a time when there was a big group thing and Jim didn't have any major characters in it. So he just put on a rabbit, I think it was, and it's just bouncing around in the background, completely stealing focus from the scene because it's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're playing it's, it's, you know, there's a reason actors are called players, but there's not a lot of times when you get to really play. And I think the Muppets give you carte blanche to play, try anything, be big, be silly. 
Yeah, um, just just have and, fun. And, yeah, and and I try to maintain that and and promote that at least you know when I'm doing the stuff that I do. Cool. I try to keep it a fun set. Well, it, it, it rings true, and uh, you know, no spoilers because if anybody hasn't seen it yet, which the one question I have to ask if you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing with your life? Because I've watched it four times already, and this is obviously pre-recorded. It's only been on the air for less than a week, and I've already watched right. it four times. I love, I love it with a New York accent. What are you doing with your life? Come on, <laughs> freaking Buffett's in a haunted mansion. Like, how you, I mean, it's, how are you going to go wrong with that? It's the perfect storm. But let me ask you a question. <laughs> yes, what would you say? Not, you know, again, no spoilers, but a specific part, line, or a joke where you watched it and you said, "Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a hit. This is gonna work." Well, one was Taraji uh, at the end of that song, like I mentioned, where mm-hmm. she. Because here's what's weird: so much of that wasn't there. Like our sets, most of our sets were a, a video wall, mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a CG. So it's literally people standing in front of a big TV. But when you look on the monitor, you see the room and the mansion. Um, so Taraji doing that was a, a, a moment where we just got chills. Like that worked. Um, I think Will Arnett in the in in his speech, like within these walls, you know, uh, when he does the no flash photographs, please, like, yep. and the music we have that. The, the Oregon theme. Yeah. That was like, okay, this is going to work as the haunted mansion, the stretch room where it, you know, again, we weren't, we were on front of a TV screen, but on the monitor, it looks like they're in the stretching room. I think those moments really resonated again, like Miss Piggy that she wasn't there. They were talking to an empty table with just the puppeteer doing her voice. So there were a lot of moments where you didn't know until post. I mean, that was the hardest thing about this, like post-production. Yeah. Even the, the first edit just had a, a dirty slug in, you know, just something that was thrown in there to kind of give the idea. So it was a couple months after we even my edit when you're going, okay, this looks right. Because, you know, um, but yeah, so the moment with Taraji, a couple moments with Will. I really liked the scene with Yvette Nicole Brown at the end. It was like, hey, guys. Hey, friends, you know, did you have a good night? It's like, I ate spiders and that, that kind of moment. And then the moment with Will, which was a touching moment, was like, you guys, you know, uh, Gonzo, you did what I could never do. You faced your fears, which then I, I added the joke of like, you know, some magician, you never do a trick, you know, because Pepe is like, nah, I don't care. Yeah. He's completely forgotten that he almost, you know, was trapped there forever. And then the moment that I, I added at the end when we were even filming, I said, you, you know, Pepe has to thank Gonzo. This is all about really about friendship. It's about facing your fears, obviously, but then Mm -hmm. it's about Gonzo went back to save his friend and Pepe is not a grateful, warm, cuddly kumbaya kind of guy. So that moment where, where he, I said, you know, you got to say, thanks, Gonzo, you know, thanks man. And, and, and not make, not make a schmaltzy thing out of it, you know, but just, and, and Gonzo and Dave played it perfect. He's like, you're welcome, pal. Gonzo and Pepe are not the cuddly Muppets, you know, and that's probably Mm -hmm. why I like them. They're nuts. Um, But just that moment was like, Hey, you're welcome, pal. Like that to me was the button emotionally. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we kind of buttoned it with the gag. But I think all those moments resonated for me. And I'm like, okay, this will work. Because, you know, there's certain moments like the setup and then that's the emotional payoff. It was phenomenal. I think like, and I, I kind of said it earlier, the part where I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Is that well, the opening scene, not the opening scene, but when we, when they, the opening instruction to Will Arnett. In it, yes. When Will Arnett kept it so true right. to the Haunted Mansion. and Within these walls, yeah, your and, fears and your frights. Yeah. And Will Arnett's one of those guys, and you kind of said it before, it, I don't even care what his lines are. They just, he just, he has a great way of, of just saying his lines. There's a couple of actors that it doesn't matter what they could read. Right. You know, they could, they could read Romeo and Juliet. And it will just right. come out funny instead of a love story. It's funny. Yeah, Vince Vaughn's one of those guys. Yeah, yeah Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. Vince Vaughn. Well, what's amazing, he was doing, you know, Paul Freese is the voice in the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. Welcome, foolish mortals. He's got that big resonant yep. basso profundo. And and Will, just when we cast him, like, well, okay. I mean, you know, I, I was worried we'd get, you know, Mario Cantone. No, no shame, <laughs> but, you know. But in these walls, you know, you, you wanted someone with that gravitas. And, and Will brought it in spades and just, you know, welcome, foolish. So 
You're yeah. like, oh, this guy's serious. Like, is he crazy? Like, you don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's the great MacGuffin, which made me laugh. Because you think he's the bad guy. You know, that's at least yeah. what we were, we're trying to say is like, he's going to try and get you. And then he does a song, Welcome to Your Funeral. And he really isn't. But yeah, Fant- the- fantastic casting. And honestly, Thank really, was, it, it really came out. Like, we were very fortunate. Yeah. It, it, it worked. So before I let you go, Kurt, no. Mr. Mr. Thatcher, Mr. Uh, oh, a, cup, a couple of thought provoking questions. I would like to ask every everyone these Uh-oh. these questions. I, you're going to um, provoke thought. eh? Well, I didn't think I was prepared. Let me let me drink my coffee. Go ahead. Get a get a sip. And uh, first question. Best advice you've ever received. And who is it from? Ah, as a director, it would be from Leonard Nimoy. He said. You can get lost in the technology, in the shots, in all the details of how to make it. He said, but your job as a director is to focus on the emotional story of your characters. If you don't have that, no one will care how great your movie looks, how amazing your shots are. He said, you you have to focus on that interplay between the characters and, and the audience, really. And I was a tech head. I was like monsters and spaceships and explosions. And working with him, you know, we were just talking and, and that's, he said, this is why I hired you. I hired you to focus on all that stuff because I know that's your world. I need to, as the director, focus on that. And then mm-hmm. this movie will be a success. And that was a huge lesson. And then the other lesson, which was about the technical aspect of film in some ways, was from my high school film teacher. I was lucky enough to go to a school that had the high school film. Well, you know, he was kind of audio, video, visual. Sean Sullivan, he said, contrast. Movie making, if you want a good movie, contrast. You do a scary scene, you do a light scene. You do a literal visually dark scene, do a light. You know, mm-hmm. you, you want to ride, you don't want it to be all one tone. And he said, of course, you can break that rule. But that really gives it, and he says, it's like, you know, he was funny. It's like seasoning on food, you know? You, you yeah. want to get the layers going, but but the contrast between even characters. You don't want everyone to be the same note. So I thought those two things really kind of core, core issues, core elements of, of how I approach stuff. Very good stuff. Okay, so this one here, before you answer, let me say, it's three people you can invite to dinner. Throughout the course of history, who would be, who would they be and why? And let me tell you something. I feel like there's a good chance if I was to pick three, you, you've you actually had dinner with all three of these people. Jim Henson, uh, Leonard Nimoy, and yeah. George Lucas. So right. what would yours be? Well, I've had, so yeah, Jim and Leonard, I've had multiple dinners with. George, so let's say George, if I could pick his brain. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, if we could speak the same language, because I just wanted to see where that guy is coming from. <laughs> and uh, I've always wanted to, and, and come, like, been around... Uh, Steve Martin, oh, love just Steve Martin. his, I don't know, like I could go on like John Cleese, Robin Williams, like all these comedy giants that I adored. Yeah, that's a tough one. Just three. Can I pick 10? Then you got to pay for the, you pay the bill at the end. Then. <laughs> pay the bill. All right. All right. So Da Vinci, I'll say George, as long as he's chatty, because, you know, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. In terms of like, yeah, it would be, it's this toss up between like John Cleese Steve Martin, Robin, and I met all three of them, but I never got to have a dinner with them. I just was at a party or an event and then got to chat with them a little bit. Yeah, that's tough. You know what I love about Steve Martin is he plays so many different comedic roles so well. <laughs> he could be the stuffy kind of like straight guy. Yeah, yeah. Could, the, but then he's the, also the goofball, like in the jerk. Right. <laughs> so well, and that that's and and he's incredibly serious intellectual guy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you meet him, he's not like, hey, how's it going? He's not Steve Martin. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, thank you. You know, he's very, he's not boring or stoic. He's just very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting watching. I got to watch, uh, Frank Oz was generous enough to let me watch him directing Steve on uh, a Bowfinger. Oh, and so that's I another to, one. I got to be on set for a couple of days and, and just watch the interplay. Um, so they would, you know, he would be like, you know, running, being goofy. And then he'd come back and they'd watch the take and, 
you talk with Frank and they go, okay, how is this? And it was like, it was like doing science, you know, it was, there was a science to it, not just I'm in the moment. And then, you know, Robin Williams was completely in the moment. He was just running around. There wasn't like, oh, let me look at that. Oh, I should lift my, you know, I should do this more. Uh, so it's just funny seeing the two different approaches and they're both completely valid. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was really interesting because Frank's very much a methodical guy, except when he puts on a puppet. So that's, what's interesting. They both have that, their internal voice is I think very thoughtful and, and, and uh, not, I don't want to say mechanical, but linear and, and, Cartesian, they kind of break it down. But mm-hmm. then when they when they're performing, either as a puppet, they're like in the moment and and playing. And I think that's the yin and yang. And and it was an interesting experience because I'm more in the Robin Williams. Like I'm just kind of. I mean, as a director, you have to break it down. But then I'm in the moment because to yeah. me, that's the fun of it. So yeah, yeah, cool. interesting people. All right. So one uh, one one last. Did one. I make Did I make a bingo? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the correct answers. Yeah. So one one last one. Yes. Your most magical five, your top five Muppets. Oh, okay. Well, Pepe, Gonzo, Uncle Deadly are my top three. I love Big Me Carl. He's kind of a one-note joke, but <laughs> he just makes me laugh. I love doing stuff with him because he's sometimes the best thing about a, car- a comedy character is they don't change. They don't learn. They are mm-hmm. what they are. Yep. You know, like George Costanza. And, and <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Kramer. Like, they're both that they're nuts and they're, they're not going to learn. And that's the fun of it. And it worked so for see. 10 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. I'm telling you, Jerry, I mean, you can just, they live in your head. Cause you watch them. So it's like, Oh yeah. You know, and, and Robin Williams, like they're, they're, they're so, I mean, Robin had an amazing range, but when he was kind of what we think of as Robin Williams. Uh, ooh, so I'm missing one more. So he's got big mean Carl, I guess Kermit, you know, he's the linchpin and, Talking with Jim a little bit, I wasn't writing when I was working with Jim, but the way he approached Kermit wasn't a square. He wasn't a stiff, you know, he was with Jerry Jewell and I talked a lot more about writing Kermit because that's what we were doing. And <clears throat> Jerry's thing is like, who's crazier, the crazies or the guy who tries to wrangle the crazies and do do a show. And, and so his theory was that Kermit was deep down inside like a lover of the arts and the insane and all that. And he tried to, you know, wrangle them so he could share it with the world. So, you know, without Kermit, it would just be, you know, a circus act that you just kind of watch it and then you go away. So I think Kermit, I mean, it sounds all mushy, but for me at least, but uh, yeah, without Kermit, you can't keep it all together. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, he's like you said, he's the linchpin. He's the the guy. So he's the eye of the hurricane. There you go. So lastly, let me leave you with one thing. I know, um, you have a quote, and I read it somewhere. You said, I could win the Nobel Peace Prize, <laughs> but my grave would still say punk on the bus on the from bus. Star Trek IV. Yeah. Um, and let me say, my friend, um, they're going to have to add now Muppet Legend to that. It might still say that, but it's going to have to also say Muppet Legend, man. So, Well, thank you. A meme just came out of me, you know, as the punk flipping off, you know, Kirk and Spock in the whole outfit. And it said, I think it said something, can you believe, or the moment you realize this is the, this is the same guy who directed Muppets Haunted Mansion. And it launched like two days ago and I put it up because it just made me laugh. But yeah, and then the reaction is like, yeah, showbiz ain't it crazy, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I, this has been fun. It's been a, it's been an honor and a pleasure, man. Thank you for taking a little bit of time with us and uh, and stopping Absolutely. by. I appreciate it. And happy Halloween. What, happy Halloween. Year you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> happy Halloween. Take care. Disney TV and Movie Minute. <laughs> okay, so that's going to bring us to this week's Disney TV and Movie Minute. And as always, the Disney and TV Movie Minute is brought to us by JSA Creations. J- uh, Joey, what do JSA Creations always do? We make all your ears come true. Dan? Make all your ears come true in 3D. 
All right, so uh, let's kick it over to Joey. Joey, what do we have? First up, we've got The Wildlife of Dr. Ol, Season 1, Veterinarian, Dr. Peter Olaf Alcumbrak. I don't even know if I said that right. <laughs> Known to many as Dr. Ol cares for animals. Of course, if you have a last name like that, they're just going to say, I'm just calling you Dr. Ol, man. You know. <laughs> what else we got, uh, Sammy? <laughs> Marvel Studios assembled the making of Black Widow, Go behind the scenes of the action-packed thriller Black Widow. Boy, paying out that extra forty million just does wonders. All of a sudden, you got <laughs> yep. Widow and all kinds of yep. stuff now. And they're gonna get their money's worth. They're like, we're giving yeah. them a check. Yep. They're like, yeah. oh, we're we're getting our money's worth. We're gonna yep. start throwing all B-roll and everything. <laughs> yep, <laughs> blooper reels. <laughs> and also, we have PJ Maxx season five. During the day, Amaya, Connor, and Greg lead total normal lives, but they transform into superheroes during the night and use their powers to fight villains and solve mysteries. Isn't this one of yours, Gene, that you liked? Um, my nephew loves this. My, my, my uh, used to love it. Aiden yeah. used to love it, and then now he just bashes it. <laughs> oh, does he really? My, my, <laughs> I mean, my, you know, oh, that thing's terrible. When I like, used to watch it. It was cute. It was my, really cute. My nephew, Mikey, had, I think his... I forget if he turned three or four this past year, but that was the theme of his birthday party this past year. First, third or fourth birthday party. He loves PJ Masks. It's so. cute. cute. So let's kick it over on over to Dan. Dan, what do you got? Disney Insider has new episodes being added. Disney fans love following along with Disney Insider week after week to get behind the scenes sneak peeks at the operations and procedures done at the Disney Parks Studios and more. But when production went down for the most magical company on earth during the COVID-19 pandemic, the episodes dwindled and fizzled out of the spotlight. Well, now Disney Insider is coming back to Disney Plus and will feature new episodes focusing on The Muppets, Haunted Mansion, Star Wars Galaxy Edge, Tiana's Cuisine, and more. Cool. I love Dan, this. Dan, that stuff. was awesome. Thanks. Yeah, you did a great job. <laughs> no, I love this. Uh, I, I love all, you know, I, I love all that behind the scenes and, you know, yeah. I, I, I love all that stuff. So this coming back is fantastic to me. All right. Well, coming up on Disney Plus this Friday, October 22nd, I got a uh, a killer movie, Rookie of the Year, the 1993 classic. <laughs> so, uh, it's about a 12-year-old boy who finds himself among the major league players for the Chicago Cubs after an accident miraculously leaves him with a strong pitching arm. You know what? And ironically, I can't think of the name, the kid the name of the kid that plays um, the lead role in this, but he went on to play Walt Disney in that movie, uh, Life Before Mickey or Walt Before Mickey. Have you guys seen that? Oh, yeah. yeah. He ended up playing yeah. Walt Disney in that movie. So um, ah, okay. when he got older. So uh, his name was Rowan Gartner. And remember the manager used to mess his name up every time. He used to call him like Rabble Rouser or this or that. And he's always, you know, and uh, was it Chet Stedman was like the uh, broken down pitcher that like was his mentor. Chet Stedman. No one remembers? Okay. I do not remember no. this movie. That name sounds I, mean, I know what it is, but... Great name. Not Nick Nolte. Who's the other guy? Who's mistaken for Nick Nolte? Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Busey, yes, yeah, that's, that's yes. right. It was before Gary Busey was crazy. Yeah. Well, he might have been a little crazy. We just didn't see it. But yeah, he played Chet Stedman in that. All right, so Steph, what do you got coming out on Friday, the 22nd? Very exciting. Thumbelina, the 1994 <laughs> movie. Thumbelina, a thumb-sized girl, yearns for the company of someone her own size. Her life has changed forever when she meets and falls in love with Cornelius, a fairy prince. Why are you tapping me on the shoulder, Dan? It was just small. And oh, for yeah, real funny. <laughs> I'm not. You don't tall. hear Cornelius very much. It was big back in the Planet of the Ape days, but don't hear a lot of Cornelius. That's oh right. Gosh, that you know good. what's ironic is me and Steph just had 
consecutive movies, consecutive years. And I think if I remember correctly, these were both the Oscar winners for those years. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And the Golden Globe. <laughs> and the Golden Globe. So they, yeah, I think they ran, I think they did the sweeps for their, for their respective mm-hmm. categories. So if you yeah, haven't seen Rookie of the Year or Thumbelina, I don't know what you're doing in your life. Disney Topic Talk. Okay, so that's going to bring us to this week's Disney Topic Talk. And today we're going to be discussing some of the Disney additions for the 50th and what we'd like to see them keep long term. Like they added a bunch of cool things to the parks and to everything else, to the whole celebration. And it's about what we'd like to see not just be part of the 50th, but what we'd like to see be a part of the parks going forward. So with that, let's uh, let's see if somebody's got the same idea or as what usually happens, someone has my idea. But let's tell me your idea first and then I'm going to take that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just tell me now. Yeah, because that'll work. <laughs> I'll make it up as we go. Just tell me. What it is. <laughs> let's let's kick it over to, to uh, Sam first. Sam, what do you got? What do you want to see them keep that they brought in for the 50th? Well, Joey and I are going to do this together. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm... Do you want to go? Or you want <laughs> you me to go. go. It sounds like somebody forgot to do their homework and latched onto the other. I don't know who's guilty and who's innocent. <laughs> That's okay. Listen, um, <laughs> listen, when it comes to this stuff, guarantee everybody's going to probably say this one. Because quite honestly, I'm not as big of a Murtown as Dan and, and Sammy are. I was like, what about me? So, yeah, yeah, right. So obviously the merch is a big deal, but you know, for me personally, I don't care about tumblers that just say 50 on it. It's just not that big a deal. There's other stuff that's really cool. Obviously yeah. for me, it has to be, has to be the statues. The statues to me need to stay in the parks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if anything, they could add because some of the, and we talked about this on, I think it was the last show of the, the glaring omissions and stuff like that. And some of the oddities, mm-hmm. um, which I don't mind the odd characters, but some of the glaring omissions, such as Jiminy Cricket, some of the, the staples were a little odd to me, but the statues to me are pretty amazing and they look they look beautiful in the park. I mean, they're, they look like they belong uh, staying there. So I yep. would hate for them to take them out of there. Now, the only other thing really that goes along with the statues really is the decor itself. Like, I love the way the castle is. I know some people don't. I love it. I love just it. take the just take the 50 off the, the, you know, the castle itself or any of that stuff. But the actual gold trimming and things like that, I think it looks great, to be honest with you. So for me, as far as that goes, if they're gonna if they're gonna keep anything, I would really want them to keep that. That's to me, that's that can last. This last trip, we went around taking, trying to take pictures of each one and trying mm-hmm. to like, you know, see the different ones, and that was pretty cool. Did you yeah, get I all did, like trying to find them all? I didn't. Um, I did get most of the ones in Magic Kingdom, but I didn't get them all. I got them all finally. I had to get them all because I had we had the we were running the uh, the tournament on the on the Instagram. So I oh, had to get, I had to like, basically when I, like the ones that I couldn't find, I had to make sure I found, and so I, I was able to get some more eventually. You kind of, you kind of live there. So you have no excuse. You have oh. to, you're there yeah. at least what multiple times a week. Right. I've, it, it, I actually, at one point was there like every day for like a good, like 10 days in a row, which uh, I'm sure you so- could never picture that happening. No, no. And again, I wasn't, I, let me start preface this, but I wasn't there all day for 10 days. In a row. I might've went like at like four o'clock. For a couple of hours, yeah. like to you know, get something to eat or something. Now, as Dan left, <laughs> going for just food. Wow, I know. <laughs> Such but, a weird twist in the story. <laughs> yeah, plot twist: I got something to eat. But um, but yeah, no, like I, you know, it's 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 really been awesome, and uh, can't wait to get back because of it. So, but um, all right, so yeah, let's kick it over to Dan and Steph. What do you do? You guys have separate, or you have the same? Separate. We have separate. Oh, what do we got? Let's go with Steph first. Okay, I think Dan wants me to go first because his is such a winner, right? Might not be. Oh, okay. Well, here's my. Now that I know, I can choose. As long as, as long as, here we go. As long as, as long as his isn't the shooting gallery, it's, it's, it's going to be great. (laughs) That'd have been a good one. (laughs) As it turns out, it's a very simple one, but I think it speaks volumes. It is. 
the Uncle Orville, great big beautiful tomorrow, bathtub Sunday. <laughs> Very important for the 50th. And what, uh, what, Joey? I was going to say, wasn't Dan asking last week, why the bathtub? <laughs> well, no, I, I like the bathtub, but why not do some kind of theming on the side of it so it makes more of a souvenir? Right. Like, I orange agree. Orange right. zipper is the orange bird, so it's sitting there, you know what it is, but the bathtub... It's... Yeah, they. I think they should have written no privacy at all around this place. All right, I have a little twist to mine. Ooh. One thing that I have been so impressed and love that we talked about, I believe, last episode was the 50th anniversary ABC special. Now, the reason this was so good is that they didn't do the typical cram it with a million pop artists performances, and then you get a little bit of Disney in between. I like that they went back to kind of the wonderful world of Disney that Walt started and was used to promote the park. That's why he was Mm -hmm. doing it. So I wish they'd take the mentality that they used on that show since it was so good. They still have performance. It was like three in a two-hour show. Mm-hmm. And they were beautiful. Do more things in the park. Showcase more things in the park. Do skits with characters. Do do whatever, but have us really see the park, especially for all the people watching ABC. They're at home. They're not living in Florida. It really could make these specials, like a Christmas special, mm-hmm. great. Because a lot of these parade shows even now are so far from what they were. Mm-hmm. It tends to be these lip sync crappy performances and doesn't focus on the special part of the parade no not at all you could really make some really cool specials so i wish they would take the thinking of the 50th and take that with them for future specials that's That's a great idea actually that show really was like a gift to people i was floored me too we thought we'd be zooming through the whole thing just fast forwarding yeah i I thought it was well done too i agree so it was beautiful i mean because think about it a lot of Families, a lot of people can't afford to go to Disney, especially after the year we've had. Yeah, no kidding. You know, show the park. Kind of like, like you're there. Give you know, give something back. To it's the like kids. the Haunted Mansion Muppets. Like really make it special. You know, oh, that we was... got to see this and make these specials special again because everybody used to get in front of the TV way back when to mm-hmm. yep. be marveled mean. at the Walt Disney Park. That's what I mean. This this is something a family would watch together. Oh, we yeah. can't be Disney, but this makes us feel like we're there and we're going to watch it and we're going to do everything we can to get there. If they want to look at it from a money angle, look at it from that angle. Current yeah. specials, I don't feel, are very family oriented anymore. I don't Like either. they don't cross all the way across your whole no. aged family. You know, before right. it was yeah. always something for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. you know, and Stephanie's right. It could be an infomercial. I mean, it's if you don't want to put the, um, if it's about money, well, it could be an infomercial for the park. It can make you really want to be there. Because you're right. Yeah. When you watch some of those other ones where it's like lip sync and it's cheesy and they're like, well, they are just singing from the castle. And it's always done like months in advance anyway. It's never like, the, I mean, not that that matters, I guess, but it's like they're shooting that in like October and they're showing it on like December 24th. I agree. I think that if they showed more of the parks, that would always be a good selling point. It would be a good infomercial. Like that's what you ever notice every sitcom, I think throughout the beginning of time has always done this. They've always had an episode where the family went to like Disney world and they'd show whoever yep. the family was on at, from that episode. They would be in Disney world. I used to love those episodes because it was like, you know, as a kid, not 
only being able to go once a year, once every other year, once maybe every three years, getting to see, you know, one of my favorite sitcoms and their family enjoying the parks. And you get, it just, it was always a cool episode. I mean, they all done it, you know, Roseanne and Boy Meets World and Full House. They've all done it, whether it be Disney World or Disneyland. And I always have loved those episodes. And I thought they were great sales pitch. And it made sense because it was always like, an, it, I felt like it was more times than not an ABC show that did it. But it was always a great yeah. sales pitch for the for the parks, you know. And there's um, still a lot of people that don't really know what's going on in Disney. Like, no. they think they do. Don't. But I think they'd be really impressed. If some of them run the company. What's that? Yeah. And some of them run the company. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good, so, good one, Gene. Um, yeah, you know, I, good one. I still remember Corey Matthews going to Epcot to see Topanga. Oh, I, watched, yeah. I just watched that episode recently. So I you know, I love when, when they do that. And I think it was, all that stuff is great, great infomercials for the park. And the same thing, like, like Dan just said. It would be tremendous for these specials if they're going to do these specials to commemorate specific things, special things in the parks. Well, let it be about the parks. You know, I mean, yeah. if it's about the, the the entertainment value of it, I get it. That that's part of it. But I mean, we have that for the the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Let let that be the entertainment. Um, you could still do these these other. Uh, parades and and specials from the parks and still have an entertainment value to it. You just don't got to oversaturate it. You know, and mine mine actually was a little bit like Joey's. It was the statues or Joey's and Sam's. It was the the statues too. So Joey gets the point this week for stealing my idea. Last week it went to Dan and Steph. This week Joey gets it. Uh, but you know what it is, is I love the statues. I've, I I, I kind of touched on this a few weeks ago when we were talking about which statues we liked. I still think you can use those statues even if you don't want to put them where they're at. So you want you don't want to leave them scattered around the way they are. I still say that they need to take those statues and maybe put them in one designated area and let's do a Disney Hall of Fame. And those will be the initial inductees, maybe. I would love that. I think that's something that we've talked about at that 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 episode where if you either put it in Magic Kingdom or if you put it in a separate part of the of a separate part of Disney World, you could probably charge for entrance to that because people will go mm-hmm. to see that. And especially if you have like the induction ceremonies, like look at what they do in Canton, Ohio for football and they do for um, in Springfield for for uh, basketball and what they do in Cooperstown for baseball. Like people come from all over the country to see these inductions and they would do the same thing for Disney. Maybe they come from all over the world for Disney. If, you know, if it was going to be an Imagineer, you know, maybe you have a setup where it's an Imagineer and it's a it's a character and it's a film and you get all these things and then you make the, the statues for it to add to the statues they already have. So I would like to see them not only just keep the statues, but let's up the game a little bit. A, let's add new statues every year because let's take these statues now and make them like a hall of fame a disney hall of fame so i would love to see them take these statues and then do more with it and make it something like entirely something that people would flock every year to come see and then you or add maybe they could add them to old key west so you would have something to look at when you constantly are walking for miles dan that's a great point that's a great point i still feel like i still feel like i'm i'm walking around joel said how about the nba building that's a huge building they could maybe do that why not? That's just sitting there. That's great. That's prime real estate right there. Yeah, I, I think that they should definitely, definitely do something um, with those statues going forward. And it makes sense. Like, what are you going to do with them anyway? Like, what, like you know, right. John Stamos already has enough memorabilia. You know, he doesn't <laughs> You know, um, the only other thing is if, if I get, had the space and the money, man, I would be. Well, I would say the only other thing I would say to do with these things, if you got if you can't keep them in the parks, then hopefully they do something. Where they just they raffle them off for a good charity, a good cause and maybe earn money that way. I think they I think they have a solid place in this park for years to come. I, and I say make a hall of fame, man, because the same way people will show up for all these other events, people would show up for an induction ceremony every year. Yeah. But yeah, so that's going to do it for this week's show, guys. So let's do what did we call it last week? Thankments. Is it thank we called it? Let's do our thankments. Uh, first, I am in New York. I'll be in New York probably for a couple more episodes. Uh, this will be the last episode with a left thyroid of mine. It's gone after today. So <laughs> it really time commemorates you hear me, it well. 
Next time you guys hear me, I'll be one less thyroid or half thyroid. So he's, he's a right, right thyroid kind of guy. I'm a, you know? I'm a right thyroid kind of guy. The left one I never liked from day one. So it's about time he get he gets stepping. So yeah, you I will do a giveaway of your thyroid oh, on Instagram. Jesus. Hey, tell you what, Steph, that's not a bad idea. I like that. It's well, not. times must have got tough. They used to give out <laughs> these big dis- Disney gift cards, and now it's a thyroid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll autograph it if that helps. But uh, but yeah. So and then also next week. So I'll be. I'll be post-op next week. Also, we just went live with a couple of new additions to the uh, TikTok. we got the Magical Lifestyle TikTok, which is the Magical Lifestyle, all one word. And also, if, if you hadn't caught us on our big announcement for our YouTube network that we're doing, uh, take a look over on, on YouTube. It's FPE Network. Uh, you can see me and Dave, uh, who we partnered up with, talking about a bunch of cool things that we'll be doing. Uh, you'll just get an idea of what we're, uh, you know, of us, what we're discussing as far as what's coming to YouTube. Hopefully, in the in the near near future, it's going to be streaming. It's going to be podcasts. It's going to our podcast is going to be there live. You'll see us live once we once we are officially up and running on that. Um, and you'll see other podcasts mostly not live, you know, uh, pre-recorded, and we'll have some original programming that you'll get to see too. So uh, go over to, to YouTube, FPE Network, and check out what we got coming up over there. And uh, also, let's thank Mr. Kirk Thatcher for stopping by. It's been a busy week, you know, for him. I mean, the uh, the Muppets Haunted Mansion just came out not even a week ago at the point that we recorded it. So uh, I want to say thank you for him to uh, for stopping by. It was so awesome getting to know him a little bit and just hearing his take on on all things Muppets and just his resume was just amazing when you hear some of the people he's worked with. So, but other than that, let's say adios to the crew. Let's kick it over. First, we'll say adios to Jay Boogie Bergs. Joe, thank you so much for the production, my man. You did a great job keeping us on track. And then let's say adios to uh, Joey and Sammy out there in sunny Miami. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, guess. Figured I, would, I figured I would go the Sammy route tonight. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> like staring at me. I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> Bye. So uh, hey, listen, I'm going to mess with Stephanie does the same thing. So I'm just messing with yeah. her. Listen, great show. Okay. Yeah. Um, you guys, obviously, Dan and Steph have a great trip. And thanks. Gene, good luck, brother. I Thank will. You. I'll be again. You, I, uh, you know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna not let. I'll be Cal Ripken. I'm gonna be back next week. I, I don't plan on missing a show, but uh, yeah. So uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah. um, I'll see also, you guys. What's that? Also, oh, yeah. Let's see. Wait. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta. You say always it. forget it. I, I always do. So you can always check us out. <laughs> Seems like oh yeah. <laughs> you can check us out at uh, Instagram. Facebook. What was the other one? Pinterest. MySpace. Pinterest, yeah. JSA and then Creations is with it. 3D instead of EA. And uh, over to the besters of the Midwesterners, Dan and Steph, you will be missed next week, but uh, you're here now. And uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing all the footage from your trip, man, next week. Thanks. We'll miss you too. Definitely I need do. it. Yeah, yeah, we need it. I don't know how much sketch comedy we'll be doing on this trip, but... <laughs> Even if we just sit at the Disney barn all day, I'll be happy. Yeah, that's where they have the gala out at the barn itself. And there's yeah. some fireworks and they usually bring a Mickey in too. What? Yeah. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yeah. <gasps> We're yeah. going to meet Mickey. Well, we'll see. Usually they do. I don't know if the, you, know, <laughs> you oh, set the yeah. bar really high, Dan. <laughs> Make sure to tell the hospital to really be careful with that podcast grand prize. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. We need like some kind of jar or something and we'll we'll need yeah. to instantly spray paint that gold for yep. your yep. own gold statue that will mm-hmm. probably put in old key west yeah <laughs> that's where it should we be. haven't decided yet i mean it's that's not be gonna make store. it into the hall of fame let's not get nuts here oh, all right. <laughs> you know it'll be joey's honorable mention in old <laughs> <Key West. laughs> i'll make sure to sneak that in 
So we'll, we'll try to provide a laugh, a chuckle, and a rip roaring day for you at some point yeah. on our trip. Rock and roll, I, DW. Make sure you guys tune in next week. It'll be all Marvel talk for the most part, as we'll have uh, Matt Soups Ramos in the house. Uh, some of you guys want to show a clip um, on the TikTok and on the, the YouTube and stuff, or I'm sorry, the Instagram. But he'll be in to talk uh, a bunch of Marvel Marvel stuff. And uh, so we'll be talking about Marvel pretty much the whole episode. So this has been 56, episode 56 of the Disney Underground podcast. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at the Disney Underground, all one word. You can hear us on Magic of the Mouse Radio every Tuesday and Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is New York and Florida time. And uh, guys, my name is Gene. You can find me on Instagram at the Magical Lifestyle. And that's at the underscore magical underscore lifestyle. And as usual, guys, have a great today, a better tomorrow, and we'll see you next time.